here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Next out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I like him. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In, like in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. Along with Rich Cranch, I am Joe Lanza. There, Rich, there are no time for shenanigans this week here on the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast because we have about 19 different topics to get to. All of them deserve time. So you're not going to get any of my wacky banter. You're not going to get any of my 19 different nicknames. There's no time for Captain Creech. None of that. No time we for how you right doing, how you doing, Joe. None of that crap. I don't. No, care. I don't care. I, I don't care how you're doing. It doesn't matter to me how you're doing. No Enzo Amore shit here. I don't care how you're doing. All right. We just got to get right down to business <laughs> because there's too many topics to tackle, and I think that a great place to start would be the death of Bobby the Brain Heenan, who. In my opinion, Rich, and I know that you have some thoughts on Bobby Heenan as well uh, to share, but since I'm talking now, I guess I'll go first. Um, In my opinion, Bobby Heenan is one of the 10 most talented people to ever be involved in professional wrestling. And I think that might sound like a heavy statement, but, you know, I, I really thought a lot about this, and I do think it's true. Um, you know, when you consider, I, I think Bobby Heenan, this is, this is a guy who I think was so talented that he could have been a legitimate entertainer. I, I don't think he, he, could, he, he had to be confined to pro wrestling. He was, he was that quick. He was that funny. Uh, he was that quick witted. Um, and, and, and it's, it, I legitimately believe he's one of the 10 most talented people to ever be involved in wrestling and probably higher. Um, yeah. You know, you know, if I was really to rank it out, um, you know, first of all, I think he's the greatest manager of all time. Um, you know, better than Cornette. And, and I think Cornette was phenomenal. Uh, better than anybody else. You can I think Bobby Heenan was the greatest wrestler. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, greatest manager of all time. I think Bobby Heenan is in the conversation as the greatest commentator of all time, especially if you're just limiting it to uh, the heel color commentator role, uh, which, you know, he was phenomenal at. Um, in terms of uh, in the ring, I mean, you know, the, the footage is scarce, but does not get his due as a wrestler. And he gave up wrestling at a very young age, um, you know, and, and full-time wrestling anyway, and, and to do other things in wrestling. But you can see signs of, of how good he was as a wrestler when he was a manager. I mean, with the wacky bumps he would take. I mean, he would fly around when Hulk Hogan would punch him in the face 
and just take these, you know, you could argue he was the best bumper in that company in no, WWF. He was, yeah, I mean, so much so he hurt himself and he needed to get neck surgery. And like, I always remember being kind of weird, like how the hell did Bobby, need, he didn't need neck surgery. And then you see what he does and you see the bumps he takes even as a manager and then know that that was the same thing, if not more, uh, when he was a wrestler. And that was always sort of his, his gimmick as being a wrestler too, is the guys would, you know, beat the hell out of him and he'd jump around and bounce around and do all that sort of stuff. And it looked like a million bucks. And he never, it never felt like overselling. It felt like, you know, this is a big, strong guy, Hulk Hogan, beating up, uh, you know, a weakling in Bobby Heenan who sort of used his guys to sort of uh, play out what he Because it, it, Bobby Heenan should have never just taken a small bump from a Hulk Hogan. He should have made Hulk Hogan look like a million bucks. When Hulk Hogan punched him, Bobby Heenan made it look like Hulk Hogan destroyed him. And that's, Heenan was so good at that. So good at those little things and 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 so good at putting people over. And I think like you're talking about in terms of, of a top, you know, top 10 entertainer, top, you know, 10, whatever wrestling person. I, I almost put him top five because I think this is a guy that you go through his life. And again, like we're just arbitrarily making who the hell cares. But when you go through his career and realize all the different arcs that he played, like you were saying, you know, the early part of his career as a wrestler and, and you hear about the stuff, obviously the footage is, is pretty scarce, but you, you know, you read about stuff and you hear about stuff of how important he was to those people that he was fighting, to the faces that he was fighting to, you know, just getting guys over, even in the ring when he was, when he was coming up. Um, you know, I, I always mention this story too, that my dad, who doesn't watch much wrestling at all, my grandpa, who I never met, he died before I was born. He was a huge wrestling fan, apparently. And his least favorite guy in the world, he grew up in Chicago, of course, his least favorite guy in the world was Bobby Heenan. So there was one time where I was watching wrestling and my dad, like I said, he doesn't watch wrestling, didn't really care, knows some of the names, but doesn't really, you know, he walked in once when Bobby Heenan was on the screen. This is probably WCW era when, when Bobby Heenan was doing, you know, announcing or whatever. And my dad goes, is that Bobby Heenan? And I said, yeah, yeah, that's Bobby Heenan. I, how the hell do you know who that is? And he goes, oh, my dad would go on and on and on and on about that and it was actually a really cool moment because my dad and I have never talked about wrestling ever before because he doesn't watch it and he kind of sat down with me and, and, and we were talking for hours about how his dad used to love wrestling and I never knew that I never you know obviously never meeting the guy I never knew that and they're always and, and my parents always say and my relatives always say oh you definitely take after your grandpa you're very much like your grandpa and they said, you know, in terms of the way you look, your, you know, your body type, like he was a big dude. I'm, I'm kind of a big dude as well. Like, you know, different stuff like that. They've always said, and the, you know, the different things, the things we liked or whatever. And my dad said, I never made that connection, but I never realized that you like wrestling and, and my dad loved wrestling as well. And that's another weird connection that you two kind of always had is that wrestling thing. And I remember always Bobby Keenan being the jumping off point of that. Cause I never knew that. I never knew that my grandpa liked wrestling. And then from that on, I, I kept asking my dad, Oh, did, you know, when did he watch or did he watch this or who did he watch? And, and I always been fascinated after that about Chicago wrestling and that, you know, that era of the fifties, sixties, Chicago wrestling because that's what he grew up with and that's what he was watching and, and and my dad will always you know sometimes if I mention a name he'll go oh yeah the crusher yeah I, I remember him or whatever and it's kind of cool to always have that connection with my dad and through my grandpa who you know of course had I you know had he lived would have been an awesome guy to you know grow up with and, and I'm sure that he would have loved watching wrestling with me and I could have watched you know wrestling with him but obviously you know things happen and and it couldn't work out that way so I always used and I always thought of Bobby Heenan as that sort of bridge between you know, my dad, who, who doesn't care about wrestling, but my grandpa, who did care about it, and my dad being able to make the connection of, oh, Bobby Heenan. Oh, my dad, you know, loved Bobby Heenan or, or hated Bobby Heenan or loved to hate him or whatever. So he always had a special place in my heart because of that. And then you add in that he was just fucking great, too. I mean, then he was just incredible. You know, I grew up in, you know, obviously born in 1987. I grew up through the Bobby Heenan as commentator more than even the com Bobby Heenan as manager. As I've gone back, I've watched a lot of the manager. But my scope mostly comes from him as a commentator. And, and there's just, I mean, there's nobody that ever comes close to it. They, you know, you can mention that Jesse Ventura was kind of the first one to, 
take over that mold of like a heel color commentator. Well, I, I think Bobby Heenan blew Jesse Adventure out of the water. And I, I like Jesse as well. But when you see what Bobby Heenan was able to do and how good he was able to do it, and again, what I kind of let off with, and I'll, I'll let you talk about this then afterwards, is so good at every time he spoke, everything that he did was meant to get the guy over, get somebody over, whether it be, you know, the bad guy, the good guy. He was always just great at, 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 though he was a part of the show and though like a lot of attention was brought to him at the end of the day, it was always him putting somebody over him, putting this title on a pedestal, him making this match feel important. And, and that carried over even to WCW as well. It got kind of, you know, terrible there towards the end because, you know, he was burnt out. He was done. He was having some issues as well. But you look at the Goldberg run and that was a run that Bobby Heenan, you could tell from the minute Goldberg came out was like, this is a guy that I'm going to do everything I can to make him great. And he did. And that was, you know, from somebody who didn't go to live shows that much, I was a huge Goldberg fan. I was a huge Goldberg fan in a large way because of Bobby Heenan, because he was so good at making it important. And, and, you know, the nickname of the man for Goldberg, that was a Bobby Heenan creation. He just said, this is the man. This guy is awesome. And this guy is everything. And it's pretty incredible just what he was able to do uh, over those years of wrestling. He did it all. He did it all. And he did it all well, which is, is a testament to his skill. Heenan's WWF shtick as a manager and a commentator was that he was an absolute buffoon who was never right. And, um, you know, it's, it's, he would say things that was the difference between him and Ventura. They had different styles. I think both of them are great. I I love both of those guys in the booth, especially during that era, but where Ventura was different than Heenan is Ventura every now and then, instead of just constantly picking on the baby faces and putting over the heels, Ventura would slip in something that was the truth that either McMahon or whoever he was in the booth with Gorilla could not refute. And then that's how Ventura would keep his, um, his that's how Ventura would, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, he would keep his credibility that way. Credibility, yeah. Every now and then he would throw in something that was just true. He would point out right. something. Hulk Hogan's cheating. What the hell? Why aren't you calling it? No, stop it, Jesse. It's fine. It's like, no. Right. Well, he, he'd, an asshole. Yeah, like. he'd point out some match result or, like you're saying, something nefarious that a babyface was doing. And, it, and he would keep his credibility that way for when he would then go on to say something ridiculous. Uh, Heenan just played the fool. I mean, his predictions were always wrong. He, his, his, his charges were never able to beat Hulk Hogan. He went, you know, one of the long storylines in the first half of his manager run was that no one in his stable ever won a title, uh, you know, until I think Rick Rude beat the ultimate warrior. I think that was the, or was it the brain busters? One of those were the first title that his, uh, that, 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 you know, a Heenan family member, uh, finally won, won a title, you know, and, and, uh, you know, the, the old primetime wrestling stuff with Monsoon, which is just incredible stuff. Those, that's just those guys improvising and, and, and goofing around and, you know, he would always allow Monsoon to make a fool of them, you know, and he was so good on, you know, you watch some of those and they're all on the network, that entire era. Um, my favorite moments are when he would break Monsoon up. And Monsoon would just break character and laugh because Heenan was just so quick and so funny. And he would catch Monsoon off guard and Monsoon would just, he would mm-hmm. just laugh and, and, and not even know how to react to it and just send it to commercial or send it to the match. Yeah, he, he'd break Gene Oakland a few times too. And that was always fun to kind of go back. I was, I was watching, you know, when the news came out of, of Bobby Heenan, I went back and watched some of those. And there, there are a few moments where, uh, you know, he, he, you can tell he's always trying to get. He, Oakland and Oakland always kind of played the straight man, but then there are a few times where, where Oakland just couldn't help himself and just laughed. Like there was uh, the one that's pretty famous too is every time um, 
you know, I think Keenan comes up and says, well, are you going to interview me? And then every time Gene tries to stalk, Keenan just says, well, you know, this is the, this. And, and by the fourth or fifth time he does it, you can tell Oakland, you know, does this little thing where he, you know, puts his hand over his mouth because he's, he's laughing and he wants to just break out and, you know, in a full on laugh. And that, that was great about Heenan too, is he always kind of kept people on their toes and, and, and it, shows you how awesome it was when there were able to be a little bit of, 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 you know, you were able to sort of work on the fly a little bit. And there was nobody, I don't think anybody better in the ever than Bobby Heenan at, at working on the fly. Like you're saying, that primetime wrestling stuff was, all right, camera's on, there you go, guys. Do whatever the hell you're going to do. And those two dudes made magic just by being themselves and just by, you know, messing around and and, and just joking around. So that, that's always something, too, that I've always remarked is those primetime wrestlings and, and any interview segment you see. I mean, that dude, there's almost nobody better at, at, at improvising or, or working on the spot. No, and he and he was such a good talker and such a great manager that he would often be paired with guys who were also incredible talkers. That's how good he was. Right, like Bachwinkle and those sort of guys. And Nick Bachwinkle did not need a mouthpiece. No. <laughs> you know? But they're arguably, you know, the greatest heel pairing of all time in terms of manager and wrestler. You know? And uh, you know, like Rick Rude did not need a mouthpiece. But you know, they, they you know, Arn Anderson. If anyone, if the, these guys, these are three guys who do not need mouthpieces. You know, these are three of the best talkers of their respective eras, but they'd still put Heenan with these guys because he was that good. And he still would bring something to the table, even with these incredible talkers. And the other thing about Heenan is, you know, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but he was a lot younger than people think. I mean, he, he stopped, you know, working as a wrestler full time very early on, but because of the white hair, you know, because he was blonde and then he went white. You know, he kind of went gray early. I mean, those AWA days with Bachwinkle and the original incarnation of the Heenan family, he was in his late 30s, you know? But you you picture him, you look at him, and you think he's like a guy in his 50s, right? And then and then later on in WWF, think about this. At WrestleMania three, when, you know, he managed Andre the Giant against Hulk Hogan, he was younger at that event than Chris Jericho is today, which is something <laughs> that, I mean, when I looked that up, it blew my mind. You know, because, you know, here's Jericho, he's still an active wrestler. And, you know, it's like you don't think of Heenan being younger then than Jericho is now. But he was. He was in his early 40s. He was like 43 or 44 years old, um, you know, for WrestleMania 3. Jericho's what, like 46 or 47? I mean, he's right. not even close. I mean, he's much older than Heenan was at during all of those, you know, WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 3, WrestleMania 4, you know, the heyday of Hulkamania. Bobby Heenan was younger than Jericho is today. So he was a lot younger than people think. He was only 71 when he died, which, you know, again, I think might have surprised some people because you always thought of him as this guy that was in his, you know, mid fifties, uh, you know, during his time as a manager, but that wasn't the case. He was in his fifties in WCW at the end, you know? Um, but, but I think that if, if people, I think most people are probably familiar with his WWF stuff, you know, both as an announcer and as a manager, but I would, I would, I would really push people to check out, try to find the footage of him as a wrestler and, if you haven't seen it, seek out the stuff uh, from the AWA with Bachwinkle and Bobby Duncombe Jr. and you know, all those guys. Uh, not Bobby Duncombe Jr., Bobby Duncombe, right? Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> you know. two, two different people. Uh, you know, Black Jack Lanza, you know, no relation. Uh, people like that. But, um, you know, and, and, and the original Heenan family and, uh, you know, his original feud with Hulk Hogan, which dates back to the AWA. And then, you know... I mean, he really was, a lot of people have said it, this isn't exactly an original thought, but he, he really was Hulk Hogan's number one foil, you know, in, in, in the WWF and arguably the AWA as well. I mean, you know, you can, you can look at individual wrestlers, but it was always a big theme of, you know, the, the, the peak of the Hulkamania run was Bobby Heenan's next guy 
going after Hulk Hogan and Bobby Heenan thinking that this was the guy who was finally going to take down Hulk Hogan, whether it was Big John Studd or King Kong Bundy or Andre after the turn or whoever else. It was always the Heenan family uh, chasing Hulk Hogan, which would inevitably end with Hogan defeating whoever was put in front of him and then Heenan, uh, you know, uh, getting his from Hogan in the end and, and, and flying all over the place and taking big bumps and flying over the top rope and, and just, you know. Um, the other thing about Bobby Heenan is um, I think that without question, he's also my favorite person ever to watch in pro wrestling. I've, I've never enjoyed watching anybody in pro wrestling as much as I enjoyed um, watching Bobby Heenan. Yeah. Even towards the end of WCW where he was clearly mailing it in, where he clearly didn't care at times. It wasn't always that way in WCW. I think a lot of people are being way too harsh on that. Run. Are, you know, I was, I was going to bring that point up where, you know, in going back and watching the network and watching a lot of WCW, because I, I've made a conscious effort to watch a lot more of the old WCW pay-per-views as of late. Cause you know, I've seen most of the WWF ones time and time again or whatever. He's a guy that people think that the second he signed in WCW, it was like, it was basically over. He didn't, he didn't really give a shit or whatever. It was until, I mean, he was still pretty good until about 1999 until it completely fell off the rails, but he is still, I mean, those early parts of WCW, his first few years in WCW, he is a very important part. Uh, of getting over Flair, getting over Hogan, and, and, and doing, I think, a really good job. And I mentioned Goldberg too. You know, through '97 and '98, a really good job of that. And you can go back, and there's some some really cool angles that he did with the NWO as well that people completely forget. And it's good stuff. And you could see that that he, you know the potential that he probably had in WCW that was unreached is you know just being you know the third announcer or whatever on the on the booth. But he was still had a very good run in WCW. People, yeah, people unfairly think that he signed in WCW and that just immediately turned to shit. And that's not true at all. His his career, you know, it's it, it mirrors Gene Okerlund's in a lot of ways, right? I mean, you know, it, it's most people are familiar with the WWF stuff, and 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 that's arguably where both guys peaked. I would argue Okerlund peaked in AWA, but it's like I think a lot of people would be shocked at how good both of those guys were in AWA if they've never seen it before. Uh, they both jumped at around the same time to come to WWF, then they both ended up in WCW around the same time. And their careers sort of flattened out when they got to WCW and got worse and worse as it went along uh, because, you know, both of them clearly weren't as motivated as they were in the past. But I, I very similar career arcs there at the same times. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. they, they almost traveled together, uh, you know, through wrestling once they both landed in AWA in the, uh, in, in the early 80s. Um, you know, they followed the same path and, and they had very similar um, career arcs. But it, it's, it's Heenan you'll see a slightly different kind of Heenan in the AWA. And even in the early days in WWF where he, you know, you can, if you watch the primetime wrestlings in order from when he took over the spot from Jesse Ventura, because people forget that Jesse Ventura was originally on there with Monsoon. And even during like Heenan's first year on that show, it's still Ventura in the credits. You know, it's primetime wrestling with, (laughs) With with Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura, but Ventura and, and and then they keep and they keep alluding to the fact that Jesse's going to come back, but he never does, because those two just had get. I assume it's because those two just had such great chemistry, they just kept it the way it was. But if you watch that from the his his run and and that's where the prime times start on the network. It's very convenient. It starts with Heenan's first show, and then runs through. He he starts off more straight laced, and then you slowly see him evolve into. Bobby the brain Heenan, who ironically was the brain, even though he was he was a fool, you know, and he always ended up looking like a fool and he was always wrong and he was a buffoon. But he wasn't it wasn't always like that. He he kind of slowly morphed into that role Um, and, and it never it came close at times, but it never crossed over into being cartoonish. 
Right. Well, he was so good at it. And I think that's what helped it is that that like you said, you, you sort of let off the segment talking about that is that he's a guy who who I don't know why in 1991 he didn't just say, screw this. I'm going to have a talk show like he could have easily had a nightly talk show. He had a that's talk, like show. A talk show. show. He had one. No, you know, oh, did WWF produced, but right. Well, I mean, like outside of that that window, yeah, just being exactly. like, you know what? I don't need this wrestling business, and and it's because he loved the wrestling business. I think he 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 so much enjoyed doing it and and being involved in it. But yeah, he's a guy who very easily, you know, it, maybe in another era, in today's era, would leave and go do something else and get out of the wrestling business and and be a big star uh, on things other than that. Because I think he was talented enough to do that. I think you're talking about the fact that he never quite towed the line of cartoonish where other people may have. At the same thing, and when you see some of the segments, and you think, "Oh, geez, that's kind of corny." That's, but he was just so goddamn good at it that it yeah. never ever veered into that territory. A less he was ta- so good, a less talented person would have been a victim of the subtlety hammer when they went down that route of the brain who was always wrong. You know what I mean? It's like, but he, you're like you're saying, he was so talented, he was able to, uh, you know, avoid that. And- well, and it's one of the old school things that I talk, I've talked about it on the show a lot, and it's something I really hate about today's, you know, baby faces and heels or whatever. Today's heels know what they're doing is dastardly and know that they're evil or whatever. Bobby Heenan thought he was the smartest guy in the room. He never exactly. thought that he was a buffoon. He he came out there and said, "Oh no, I'm great. I'm smart." And you know, Gorilla and Gina are like, "What the hell are you talking about? Your guys suck and they never win." It. Yeah, he's like, "No, no, no. I got a great stable of guys and girls." And, and, and I've got, got a, suck. Like, yeah, and I've got a great plan now. This one is. <laughs> you I, always say that, Bobby. <laughs> no, I this finally got it figured out now yeah wait do you see this guy you know it's, it's like you know, he, he, but know it was never done in the tongue you know because so, now like you're saying the subtlety hammer would be like oh, ha, ha, that guy knows he's dumb or whatever right. Bobby Heenan never thought he was dumb he thought he was Bobby the Brain he was the smartest guy in the world the hand, right. most handsome guy in the world too that's what he would you know until about you know the mid 80s he would tell, call himself the most handsome guy in the world and that was another thing too it's like no you're not what are you talking about I mean he was yeah. a decent looking dude he wasn't a terrible looking guy but another like he would consider himself this great smart strong you know <laughs> beautiful guy and it's like no you're 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 a buffoon but it was that he just did it so well and then yeah like you're saying he, he was able to get away from from being cartoonish or being sort of a caricature of himself yeah and that and that late 80s early 90s heenan um who who was sort of the buffoon would have never worked with bockwinkle you know what i mean the dynamic would have been off that subtle change would have thrown that all off but uh but but yeah I, he yeah i mean yeah one of my favorite people ever to watch in wrestling wrestler or otherwise Oh, I was going to mention about that when you say the favorite guy to watch. I mean, he is a guy, and, and he's a big reason why I watch a lot of those old WWF shows. I, if I'm just looking to kind of put something on and, and, and sort of just hang out or whatever, I'll watch like an old pay-per-view that, that he commentates on. Even if the wrestling's not good, it doesn't matter because he makes it entertaining. He makes it watchable. Yeah. You know, a lot of times I don't care that, you know, Tito Santana and whoever are having, a, you know, a mediocre match because Bobby's making it interesting and making it fun. And you can, I mean, he is one of the best, you know, my, my buddies and I, if we, you know, kind of get together and hang out and, you know, drink beers and eat pizza or, or do things like that, we, we try to usually pick like a heat and air pay-per-view because you can kind of laugh at the style. Like it's one of those good things that you can just kind of watch and, and, and always really enjoy for, for, for those aspects as well. Like WrestleMania 9 is one that I always, or uh, WrestleMania 8 rather. Uh, he was on nine, but eight, eight is a great performance. It's not a great show at all, but it's one of Heenan's best performances ever. And it's like one of these things where I can't believe I'm saying that. Like I would watch a show. I, I devote three hours of my time to a show that doesn't have great wrestling because the commentator was so good because the two commentators played off of each other so much. And there are numerous, you know, Bobby Heenan shows where I will do that. Where like, you know, the, the Royal Rumble 92 is one that's a great show made even better by his commentary. And it's an all time legendary, you know, top, top tip tier match and, and, and really great pay-per-view because of Bobby Heenan in a lot of ways. And then that's, that's testament to him. I mean, that is a very hard thing to do is to make the commentary that important to make that guy. And again, like we say it that important, but it wasn't like he was ever bigger than the show. At the end of the day, it was all to get other people over. He never 
ever, ever, ever in any of his stops cared about being the most important guy in the room or being a guy that anybody focused on. Like he, you focused on him while he was saying stuff, but at the end of the day, it was all for the better good of whoever, you know, whatever the end game was, was always that. Yeah. And uh, his final segment in the company was Gorilla Monsoon tossed him out of the building. Yeah. Right. Like he could have just left. He could have, he said, no, no, no. I want to have a cool segment and I want Gorilla to do it. And that's, you know, that was always, I think that that speaks volumes to, to, to Heenan's, uh, you know, his legacy in a lot of ways is that he always wanted, and I think in AWA when he left as well, they did an angle. And I know that, I, I think if I remember, I, Dave wrote about it earlier today, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of blanking on it, but I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, Gagne was, was not happy at all, wanted him out of there, just wanted to get rid of him, and, and Heenan, you know, wanted to do an angle, because that's always, you know, hey, don't yeah. let me just leave without you getting some benefit out of this. Like, that, I I can, you know, even that last segment on, on, on Raw, where, you know, I'm leaving, I'm going for more money, I'm going for insurance, all this stuff, but hey, get something out of me. You know, use me. To, to for something, whether it be a funny segment or to for Gorilla to do something, but use me. Don't just you know make right. me important. Make me right. help you. Like let me help you. And that's always been that was always Bobby Seen's thing from from the beginning. He never wanted to be the you know the guy that got the last word. He wanted somebody else always to have that last word. A lot of times his humor was edgy. Um, a lot of his edgy humor would never fly today. You know how that goes. We don't need to go down that road. But a lot of his humor too were basically dad jokes. But the yes. thing about, but the but here's the thing, the thing about comedy, Rich, is it's all about the delivery and it's all about the timing, and he would make those corny dad jokes work, you know, it's like compare Bobby Heenan's stuff to Jerry Lawler's stuff, and it's like that is the difference between great comedic timing and a guy who you just roll your fucking eyes at, at who is never fun. Jerry Lawler is never funny. But it's essentially a lot of it is the same kind of material, you know. Lawler never really does. It, it's funny because Lawler t- tries to do crass stuff too, but it just comes off crass, right? But Heenan could pull off the edgy stuff and the dad jokes both effectively because of comedic timing. And I, I think you compare it to Lawler, who's never funny. I mean, I, you never laugh at Lawler. He's just a, he's an idiot, you know. You just roll your eyes at Lawler. But it's a lot of the same kind of stuff, and that, that really points to what makes a great comedian, what separates a great comedian from a lousy comedian, you know? So, um, yeah, so that's Bobby Heenan. I guess uh, we can move on. But Yeah, there's for people that don't, I mean, obviously, most people listening to this hopefully do subscribe to the Wrestling Observer, but if not, uh, this week they had uh, the first part of the Bobby Heenan uh, bio, which was really great, and he said the second part's coming uh, next week as well. So, you know, but Dave does a great job with these. I mean, wh- whether you love Dave or hate Dave, whether you like his reporting or don't like his reporting, you think the Observer is crap or whatever, those obits, those bios are always worth the money. I mean, those things are incredible. There's whole books of them that, that are great, and, and this was no exception here with the, the Bobby Heenan one. So. Two things I wish never happened in wrestling um, from a storyline perspective. One, I wish Tommy Dreamer never beat Raven. I still hate that. Tommy Dreamer should have never beat Raven ever. To this day, he should have never beat Raven. And number two is Bobby Heenan's men should have never won a title in WWF. <laughs> Those are two things to me that should have never happened. Well, was it the Brain oh, you, you were trying to think of that, that earlier. The Brain Busters were the first or no? Was there someone before yeah, brain that? Busters, I, I, brain Busters or Rick Rude, right? It had to be one of those oh, two. Rude. I think- yeah, Rude, Rude, Rude for sure. Brain- Brainbusters were before Rude, weren't they? Or was it Rude? I at, don't at, think uh, so. I think Rude was first because the Busters came in at 88, 89, I believe, and Rude, I think, by 87 had won a, one of the titles. Let, let me wasn't it Rude, Rude. When, 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 Heenan, when Heenan held the Ultimate Warrior's leg? Remember right. at SummerSlam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but think I... that was Heenan's first title. 
Okay. Well, at least it was one guy that was, um, let me see when that was exactly. So we get our numbers, right? So that was 89. That was April of 89. So I think, I think the brain busters came in later that year, but I could be wrong. Maybe the busters are the first ones. It's right around the same time. I just can't remember what was. first. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who, who, uh, who came first here. Let's uh, do a quick little search here so we can, uh, come to the end because that, that's a big deal you know one of Heenan's teams finally winning is, is a pretty big deal uh they looks like here one sec sorry um they won their I got titles it. I got it. It, was, it was later in the year it was later in the year then it's july yeah okay so, so yeah we were first and then then yeah, it was oh, but, okay well that makes sense i mean if it was going to be anybody i think bobby Roode's probably or bobby Roode, jesus christ rick Roode is is probably the uh, the one to do it but i'm with you it would have been better if he uh if he never did it but because anyone, a bunch of that, you had, you know, Haku and Andre won the tag titles, and Mr. Perfect uh, was the Intercontinental Champion. Another tremendous talker that had no business having a manager, right? And then, um, and then later on, it was funny because, you know, Ric Flair comes in, maybe the best talker of all time. They, <laughs> right. they don't, they don't only give him Heenan, they give him Mr. Perfect too. Like, you know, it's just talker overload, you know. But, uh, but yeah, so he won a bunch of titles. Once he won that first one, it, you know. It, you forget it, but but the running storyline from I guess when he come in eighty four or eighty five something I guess eighty five right or maybe it was eighty four. But for five years there, the running story was you know he couldn't win a title. He should have never won one. All right, uh, we got some other stuff to get to here, but I do want to let everybody know that this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Dollar Shave Club. And by now, everybody knows that Dollar Shave Club ships amazing razors for a few bucks. Uh, Both Joe and I have been members for a while, and we love the shaves that we get from Dollar Shave Club. What you might not know, and I know we didn't, is that Dollar Shave Club also has products for pretty much everything else you need in the bathroom, whether it's body wash, shampoo, hair gel, lip balm, everything. Everything you need in the bathroom, Dollar Shave Club has. Uh, At the store, there's too many options. You can't tell the difference between any of them and if you wanted to ask questions the person working there doesn't want to help you and then you, you, you got the we talk about the razors and you got to ask for the key and that takes 20 minutes or whatever it's too much time you don't want to do all that crap Dollar shave club makes it easy and convenient for you to upgrade your shave and your bathroom just like the razors everything is super high quality and left me and joe looking and feeling amazing from premium ingredients to sophisticated scents dollar shave club is changing the game and if you're like us and sick of the nonsense of the store now is the time to try out dollar shave club for a limited time Dollar Shave Club is basically giving away their, and we're going to like saying this, their shit shower and shave starter set. That is very hard to say. Uh, to new members, for only five bucks, the starter set features their executive razor, three trial size versions of their most popular products that will help you stay fresh and clean. In your first box, you will receive uh, the Dr. Carver Shave Butter. We've talked about that. Great thing there. Uh, the Body Watch, which is incredible. We've talked, you know, you and Joe and I say that we, you know, we'll hoard that and we'll only use a little drop at a time because we want to keep it going for, for months on end. Uh, and then I know, Joe, your new favorite, One Wipe Charm. Charlie's butt wipes. You're a big fan of the butt wipes. The butt wipes, Rich. I received the butt wipes. You got and the, peppermint, I used, the peppermint butt wipes? They're, they're peppermint flavored. So, you know, I, 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 not I, fla- I think they're scented. I, I, I don't think fla- you're not supposed to eat. Hey, listen, it, if you're doing, if you're, so. if you're, listen, Rich, I tried to oh, talk you into oh, the right. lingus months ago. You're right. You're right. You're right. Now, if you, you I've, I've been meaning to ask you this because when I read the ad, you weren't on the show. <laughs> if you use the peppermint flavored butt wipes, Rich, uh-huh. will you and a nurse attempt the butt play oh, you're right we, we got them so I, I haven't used them all yet so maybe that's that's not a bad idea after uh, after the show here i'll uh i'll get a little one wipe charlie there with the uh, peppermint butt wipe and see what happens but anyway that's what i want to hear my friend <laughs> it's not gonna happen <laughs> fall asleep before it. and when me and the nurse do the fuck rich podcast i'm gonna yeah. ask all about that anal play and see how it went you really think uh, joe uh, sorry to our good friends at Dollar Shake Club, do you really think that after i've 
because she's off work today, so she's in another room. Do you think after I've got done talking to you for three hours that I'm going to be able to go and say, hey, by the way, now we let's do this like that. I don't think that's going to happen, Joe. I think if you use the peppermint flavored one wipe Charlie, right. I've never tried it with the one wipe Charlie's peppermint butt wipe. This is my point, my friend. <laughs> it's a whole new game with that. As this Dollar Shave Club is changing the game. Uh, so, of course, you, as I said, in that first box, you receive shea butter, body wash, the one wipe Charlie's butt wipes. You will also receive their executive razor, which includes their premium weighty handles and a full cassette of cartridges. After the first box, replacement cartridges are sent uh, for only a few bucks per month. And this offer is exclusively available at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. Dollar Shave Club's high-quality products will have you covered from face to cheeks to butt cheeks. So there's no better time to try the club, dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. And then before we get to the other stuff as well, I do want to let people know that we have a bunch of good stuff on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network this week as well. A brand new Everything Evolves. Uh, previewing the Evolve weekend, you know, before madness happened, uh, talking Evolve news and notes. Uh, just as a note, this was recorded before the Flow Slam lost it, which we'll get to here in a little bit. So that's just a bit of a warning if you're wondering why they don't talk about that. Because uh, it recorded before the world burnt for, uh, <laughs> for WN, Flow Slam and Evolve. We have a new music, The Met, uh, covering the music of SmackDown. Uh, we got an upcoming episode of Burning Spirits. They're giving their preliminary thoughts on Noah's 50 Greatest Project uh, that we're doing at voicewrestling.com slash forms, as well as a brand new Lucha the Hidden Temple. Shake Them Ropes, WrestleNomics, Brit Rest Roundtable, New Japan Purocast, and much more. So make sure you're subscribing to the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, whether it be iTunes, Google Play, wherever. Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. Support our other shows. All right. We're doing Dragon Gate, Joe. We got it. We're doing Dragon Gate, but first, I'm catching up on NXT here, and i got to bring this up. I'm watching, okay. uh, this is from a couple weeks ago, the 824 show, NXT number 264. And uh, my girl Sonya Deville, Rich, i got to tell you, I'm watching her take on Zeta, who we were a big fan of in the, uh, you were a big fan as well, right? Yeah, Zeta. a huge fan of Zeta, yeah. Of, uh, yeah, she's, she's taking on Zeta here. They did a video package for Sonya Deville, best one they've done yet. And, um, you know, I'm watching this video package as you're doing the ad read. And I'm just thinking to myself, again, I don't care who argues with me. They're nuts. She comes off as such a bigger badass than Shayna Baszler. It's not even close. I mean, it's not even comparable how much more credible Sonya Deville comes off than Shayna Baszler. And then this match happens with Zeta. And my one – look, I've been honest about Deville. I'm on the Deville train. Everybody knows. And I'm sure it's going to crash. But I'm on the Deville train. And But my one knock has been that the bell to bell is very weak. Her offense looks like you can't break eggs. You got to have strong offense. You got to look like a killer if you're going to act like a killer. It's coming around, Rich. I don't know if you've seen that Zeta match, but you know it was a quick and tidy squash as usual, and her offense looked tremendous. She looked better in that match against Zeta than Baszler did in any match in the uh, Mae Young Classic. No, I'm with you. I watched that match too, and and I was again, you know, amazing. Zeta's awesome too, and she's she's you know still a little raw, but she's got when something. that gets all together, time, yeah, that's good. that's there's it, there's it there. I mean, you can see the effect for sure. So she's got something there, but yeah, so I'm I'm all in on the Sonya uh, bandwagon as well. I mean, there just looks the badass, badass look. Man. Yeah, yeah, she was she was legit great. I mean, that that's that they got something there. So hopefully they they can cultivate that and really do something. But the issue that I'm worried about is that if if uh, you, you know, if Shayna does come in, they're not going to want two shooter women at the same time. And, and that's, that's what I mean. Strange. I think they're going to repackage her, which is a shame because they put yeah, all this. Effort she's still in good her. at it. And I think she's ahead of. I think she's ahead of Baszler. I think she's ahead of Baszler in terms of development. I really do. And and it's really a shame if 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 she you know um, you know and and obviously she's she's probably what a decade younger, uh, you know. But it's look, yeah, how old is Sonya Deville? Let me see. She's twenty three years old. Oh Jesus! Wow. Okay. She's, she's almost. Years younger, <laughs> wow, than Shayna Baszler. I mean, are you kidding me? It's a no brainer. 
But this is a star business, and one of these people has a name, and the other does not. In fact, the other has got had their name changed in the last. You know, you read Daria Baronado, of course, which mm-hmm. I thought was a better name than Sonia Deville, probably just because it's an Italian name. You know what I mean? But she's well, from Jersey. I think. I think you, you you're biased here too, of course. So. I listen. It's a it's a nice Italian girl from New Jersey, <laughs> and she's easy on the eyes as well. So I'm you know of course, but you know she's doing a nice job. look. I don't I don't listen. I don't I don't uh I don't hype up Liv Morgan like this. No, it's true. She's, and that's an Italian girl from New Jersey. Her fucking name's Gianna Daddio for Christ. Crying out loud. You can't more Italian than that. That is the most Italian yet. Yeah. That is yeah. the most New Jersey woman name ever. Is, is yeah. Comes from Dick Vitale's hometown, for God's sake. I mean, oh. give me a break. You know, you can't get more a, a New Jersey and Italian than that. You know, so I'm being fair here. DeVille's got it, man. That match yeah. pumped me up. She looked great. You know, her her in-ring and her mannerisms in the ring are starting to match those videos because the video packages, you can make anybody look great. You know what I mean? Especially this company. They do a great job. But man, her in-ring and her mannerisms in, in that match are starting to match those those packages. She's, I got to tell you, you know, it, all things being equal, if I'm just some casual network subscriber who knows nothing about MMA, and let's face it, can we stop pretending Shayna Baszler was John Jones too? Can we stop with that? She wasn't even a great fighter. You know what I mean? She's got the right friend is basically what it comes down to, right? I mean, if she didn't have the right friend, would she even be getting this push On uh, j- just for the fact that she was a legitimate fighter at some point? Does she blow you away with her charisma? Does she blow you away with her in-ring? She wouldn't even be considered any kind of prospect if she didn't have the right buddy. So, I mean, I don't know. I, Rich, I'm pushing all the chips in here, okay? I've been doing it for the last few weeks, but I, I got to tell you. We gotta get you I'm some even, merch. We gotta get you some Sonia merch. Maybe a trip down to Largo to watch her do a, a house show swing or something. I was, I'm even more sold on the fact that her upside is way higher than Baszler's. It's you know, it's it's crazy. I mean, I don't even think it's close anymore, from what I've seen. And Baszler, I just saw Baszler wrestle five matches. So you know, we got to see Deville in a longer match, though. Something other than a squash. I think that's of course, yeah, yeah. You know, but the twenty three, I, I, I didn't. I mean, I guess I should have assumed that she was that young, but I, I, I'm a little shocked by that. I would have thought, you know, twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven, twenty three. Jesus Christ! Yeah. And here's the other thing: she has a background in mixed martial arts and judo. Right, right. You know, but she doesn't have the right friends. Okay, she didn't lose. Five, she didn't go zero and four in UFC. You know, you were pretending Baszler was some kind of great fighter. She wasn't. You know that 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 four horsewomen was Ric Flair and three Paul Romas. Okay, that was there. <laughs> it was. You know, she wasn't any kind of great fighter. She's a 500 fighter. She's, she's, she never won. I don't think she ever won a UFC. She's either 1-4, and 0-4, four, oh four, something like that. I can't remember. But she I believe was when we talked about it before, I think she, I think she lost all of her UFC fights. Yeah, so. she lost her way it. out of the fucking company. And do you know how hard it is to lose your way out of that company when you have yeah. something in value <laughs> and when you are friends with who you're friends with, with Rousey? So I mean I don't I I don't know I just, I, I I'm, the, the chips are all in the middle of the table now I, I really oh, I don't sorry. know how people can can <laughs> I don't know how they can watch these two and come to any other conclusion. All right, our weekly Sonia Deville segment sponsored by <laughs> we got to get a sponsor for these. I'm gonna have to try to sell us a sponsor on the uh, Joe's weekly Sonia Deville rant. So. It's good stuff, though. It's, it's, I always enjoy it, but I'm, I'm in you with that. But uh, anyway, let's get to uh, this Dragon Gate show. This is on Monday, uh, the Dangerous Gate 2017 show. Uh, Joe and I both have not watched the undercard, but um, we did watch the 
really the two important matches of the show, the two matches that are that are really worth talking about and really worth digging into, and that's the uh, the losing unit disbands no DQ elimination match between uh, Berserk and the, and the Jimmies, uh, and then the main event uh, between Yamato and Mochizuki for the Open the Dream Gate uh, Championship. I do want to maybe do a little reverse order here. I do want to talk about the main event first because I, I have some big thoughts about the units disband, uh, and I kind of want to save that. But I want to get your thoughts initially on the uh, Open the Dream Gate match. So you had Mochizuki uh, pulling off a huge upset. I know you watched Unspoiled as well. You did not know that Mochizuki was going and what you know going to win i did watch spoiled so that kind of hurt it a little bit for me uh but what do you think of, of the big uh mochizuki win over yamato uh, becoming uh the uh dream gate champion and, and breaking up a really long reign from yamato i believe it's either the third or fourth longest reign uh ever with the open the dream gate championship so a big deal seven defenses as well or or this uh, was the seventh defense and he fell uh yamato and thank god it's over because that was a terrible reign um, yeah, it just kind of wasn't doing. And Yamato's great, but it just it wasn't. I don't know. Didn't... Yamato Yamato needs to slide his ass back into a tag team. I I you know, or at least maybe now that he's not you know working these long Dreamgate main events, which I don't know. He just it's not him, man. You know, his other Dreamgate run uh, wasn't you know hot stuff either. Okay, so yeah, Yamato... it's becoming a little bit of a trend. You, you know, it's not like one of the, oh yeah, well this is a bad run, whatever. But now it's like I don't know. He's had not really great runs, and, and I'm a Yamato fan. Yeah. Oh no, we both love him. Yeah, I, I, think. I like him, and and I, I, you know, he's had good singles matches over the years, you know, and it's like, but this, this Dreamgate run did nothing for me, and in fact, it had a negative effect on me. I would see his, uh, you know, matches pop up, and I, I would have to force myself to watch. I just wasn't into it at all. I it's think a, it's I, a tough spot to be in that, that opened the Dreamgate. I mean, we, we, you know, maybe Dragon Gate shouldn't always have thirty minute plus matches in their main events or whatever, but that's kind of what they do, and 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 we see that some people struggle in that. Some people just can't quite get to that same level in the, in those types of matches. And Yamato is a guy who's been that way for a while where it's just like, you know, they do the long, big, you know, main events and, and, and he just doesn't excel in that. He hasn't. And, um, you know, and this was a guy who I thought last year was, was part of maybe the best tag team in the world with Doi. Um, you know, so it's, it's not like, I don't like him. I, it's not like, I don't think that he's look, I like him better as a heel. I think that would be a near universal opinion, right? I don't think that's controversial oh, yeah, at all. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I like him as the heel who, who gets in there and he, he's vain and he plays with his hair and, uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, from what I understand, he's not a good promo, you know, which, which doesn't lend itself well to, to being a baby face. Uh, he would struggle with the, with the show ending promos. And of course when he was teaming with Doi, Doi would do all the talking for him. Right. So it's like, it worked out good from that perspective too. And, um, I just, and, and, and look. Tribe Vanguard doesn't help. That's a terrible unit. I can't stand them. I find the entire unit boring. Um, I was hoping that they, I was hoping against hope that they would be the unit that would end up breaking <laughs> up, but everybody knew it was going to be the Jimmies. I mean, the Jimmies and, and I'm really going to let you carry that match because, uh, you know, I think you have much, much stronger opinions, um, um, and, and, and on, on, on what happened in that match and, and how that all played out. Yeah. Um, you even wrote something. So, um, you know, uh, but but as far as this match goes, look, I didn't love this match. I didn't think it was a great match. Okay, yeah, I was kind of curious too. When it was all said and done, I was like, nah, yeah, it's all right. Like, I I think these two have had better matches, and I think individually these two have had better matches with other people. Uh, but yeah, I was I was kind of left a little underwhelmed uh, when it was all said and done. I think I, I have one aspect why I think so, but I'll let you uh, give your thoughts on what, what you thought first. Well, I thought they were going some good places in the first third of the match with Mochizuki going after the leg and those sorts of things, but they kind of just abandoned all of that and it it, it just became a you go I go uh, style of match, but not in the way that dra- not a Dragon Gate style you go I go, just a a long 
boring main event, Yugo. I, it just didn't connect with me. I didn't think it was a bad match. I thought the work was good. Yeah. I thought Mochizuki was excellent. He always is. When is oh, that guy so not excellent? Yeah, dude, he's 47 years old. He's incredible. That guy's fucking awesome. Yeah, and it's not like Yamato. I'm, I'm, listen, I don't think he's a bad wrestler. I think Yamato's an excellent wrestler. I think he's he's very sound. He's just kind of boring in, in these scenarios. And I think he's boring as a babyface. And I, he's boring as a, as, as a world champion. And um, you know, it, 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 just, and, and his style just doesn't lend himself to that to, to this style of match when he's a baby face and he's a world champion. So the match didn't do a ton for me. I'd put it at three and a quarter, three and a half of them being generous. Um, but but it shocked the shit out of me that Mochizuki won. And just like everybody in uh, where was it uh, uh, Tokyo, right? Ota the Ota Gym, I believe. Yeah, the Ota uh, the Ota Gymnasium in, in Tokyo. Everybody there was just as shocked as I was, you know, because you heard like it was kind of a cheer and a gasp all in one. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think a lot of people were expecting it. It was a pleasant surprise, you know. I, I let out an audible, yeah. I did the old school, yeah, Rich. When's, <laughs> when's the last time you did a yeah for something, you know? Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a big uh, Jose Abreu home run. Did you go, yeah? You know, maybe, a Juan Moncada, yeah, Juan Moncada triple, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the old school, yeah, with the fist up in the air, you know, like like uh, like Judd Nelson at the end of Breakfast Club with the fist in the air, yeah, you know, but it, you know, I wasn't expecting that at all, so um, and I'm happy with that, you know, it, because they frame this as Mochizuki's last shot at the title, mm-hmm. so you know, you get a gimmick like that, the guy's usually losing, right? Especially since nobody really saw us coming. Now look. It's not like I've been super in tune with Dragon Gate since the spring. You know, I watched a lot of Dragon Gate the first part of the year. Then I had my terrible work stuff, and I fell out of the loop. So maybe this wasn't as shocking as as, as I'm pl- as I'm presenting it. But it sure was shocking to those fans in the building, and it sure shocked the shit out of Joe Lanza in a good way. Pleasant surprise. Looking forward to this. It'll almost definitely be his final run with the title. I don't know how many title defenses they're going to give him, that sort of thing. Hopefully he has a few and they give it a little bit of meat because his title run in 2011 is probably my favorite in the history of the company. So I'm all about this, you know, and I love the reaction of his stable mates. You know, Shima's in there crying. I mean, this is, this is an emotional night. You know, oh, the last two, the last two matches, everybody was, there was waterworks going on in that, you know, that arena between the wrestlers and the fans and the announcers. It was, it was nuts. And, this and was that's what we talk about with Dragon Gate. They, they, they have that emotional connection with their fans that a lot of these companies, they just can't get there, you know, but you get that with Dragon Gate. And I guess that's a tremendous segue. Unless you want to give a few thoughts on the main yeah, event. Yeah, real quickly, I think a few things that, that played into, you know, my enjoyment of the match, knowing that it was spoiled or whatever, you, you know, aside from that, I think, you know, watching it, it was hard to really get into the match because the crowd, I don't think, and, and you, you know, you're saying that you weren't as in tune, and I, I know I'm not quite as in tune with, with Dragon Gate right now uh, as I'd like to be. I'd like to, you know, kind of get back the rest of the year. But, you know, the, it kind of came well, out you, of, you, you know, left field for me that Mochizuki won. You've seen more than me lately, though. Yeah, and, right, right. So, I mean, so, that, so let me ask you, you didn't see it coming either. Uh, not at all, no. And I watched all the uh, all the Corkins leading up, all the big shows leading up, and and I think everybody kind of assumed this was just going to be a paint by numbers Yamato win uh, here. But yeah, for him to win, and and you could sense the crowd, like you said, there was that gasp of like, oh, did he really? Oh my god! Like the one, two, three happens, and then there's like the second where everybody looks around, like, oh wait, hold on, Mochizuki just won. Like, and then everybody starts cheering, and everybody starts going nuts or whatever. And I think that played into the, a lot of the match too, because I don't think anybody in the crowd was really like, all right, let's get on board. With Mochizuki having a good run here, or, oh, let's you know every time Mochizuki was getting the momentum and, and sort of doing his thing, the crowd wasn't going that nuts. And I thought the ending, well, one of the things that I, I you know didn't necessarily like, and I don't know if it's really the fault of these guys or the fault of sort of the, the, the atmosphere that was going on, but Mochizuki is basically just beating up Yamato in the last like few minutes of the match, 
And nobody sees that as the ending. Nobody is like, oh my God, this is it. Oh my God, he just needs to do this. Oh my God, and one more move, and then he's got him. Like everybody was just kind of assuming, okay, Mochizuki's gonna get all the shit in right now, and then Yamato's gonna kick out, and then it's gonna be the end, and that's gonna be the last gasp of Mochizuki. And the crowd didn't react necessarily like they thought that anything big was going to come of it. They were going to kind of wait for the next little step where, okay, Yamato kicks out. Oh, damn it. Okay, now he's going to come back. And then the three happens. And it's just like, oh, okay, all right. right." And then then everybody was happy. And then it was an awesome moment. But there was just that weird weirdness at the beginning. And again, like that's not necessarily these guys' faults because I think the in-ring work was, was pretty solid throughout. I just think there was an atmosphere thing. And just the overall, like they almost did so good of a job of having it come out of left field and so good of a job of making it a surprise that it kind of hurt the reactions of the crowd because they didn't feel fully invested in the story, not I don't think they just I just don't think they felt at any point that Mochizuki was going to win, and then it kind of caught them by complete surprise, which is really cool, and 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 it should make for a really good run. Now that Mochizuki did win, but in that match, it sort of hurts it a little bit in my sense. This is a match that I think will will improve if I do watch it again. Like say you know in in a distance, knowing Mochizuki won, you know watching it a few weeks later, maybe it'll work a little bit better if I watch it then because on this night it was just it was, like you saying three stars, three and a half, somewhere in that range. Good work, but overall, like not something that I would really recommend. You know, going out of your way to see, other than the finish and other than the emotional um, moment that happens at that finish too. So that, that that's all kind of say. I mean, I still enjoyed it. It was still a solid match all around, but you know, it, it had its flaws. You you know, especially uh, the semi main, which we're going to talk about, which is I, I think one of my favorite matches of the entire year. I don't know where, if it's going to end up there, but I mean, when we talk about dragging it, we talk about the emotion that they can get out of people and how they can make. A match that technically wasn't great. I mean, it was a it was a plunder match with with, with you know barbed wire bats and 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 boards with you know cork boards with barbed wire all over them and tables and chairs and and boxes or whatever. And it's like, yeah, you think you know reading. If I read you the play by play of the match, you would probably think it sucked. And who cares? It's just a dumb plunder match. But they're so good at emotion and they're so good at telling stories and they're so good at the optics of wrestling that this match just was incredible. I I, I don't know what your overall thoughts were as a match match for for this one, but I thought you know this is one of those ones that blurs the line of like yeah the work whatever it's so much about the story of this and it's so much about you know what's going on and the the emotion of the wrestlers in the ring and the emotions and the connections between the the, the wrestlers and the crowd that it that it's everything that pro wrestling should be even if the technical work wasn't you know wonderful or wasn't great i didn't like it i don't know if you're expecting that no but, no uh, go ahead um now don't get me wrong i i was totally into the idea of the Jimmy's finally coming to an end, you know? Um, I, I I had argued that, I mean, it was very obvious this is the direction they were going. I would argue that they shouldn't have broken up the Jimmy's yet. I, 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 I kind of could see an argument for keeping them together longer and just making it like a running joke that it's the unit that never goes away, you know? Um, but it's like the match itself, I liked... Okay, so I like the on-paper idea of Dragon Gate going totally non-Dragon Gate and doing this vicious... You know, like you said, plunder match with all this vitriol behind it. it right, and for people that didn't see or you haven't seen the match yet, uh, the guys when they come out, they're all in street fight gear. Like you know, there's they got face paint on. Like Jimmy Conda was completely blue. Like I don't know, he he well, the, the idea of war paint. He just got the idea. Of, like, yeah, well, that's the, the the Jimmys busted out their war paint for yeah. this because this is the biggest match of you know. Well, and Berserk was wearing it too. Like they yeah, were kinda, then, they yeah, had the same. Yeah, Berserk came out in the Chicago street fight gear. You know, you had Shingo with the like the, the fucking jeans with the with the yeah, uh, jeans tucked in the boots. Yeah, you got the you know white tape. You know, everyone's wrists and hands are taped. Uh, My man Punch was wearing like a suit, right? For some reason, who knows why? But uh, you know, that it, it, it looked like Mr. Pogo for some reason. Did I, did you get that idea yes! too? 
I, I actually, I kept forgetting who was in the match because I didn't recognize him. <laughs> right. I thought I, I did the same thing. I was like, who the fuck is that guy? Like, oh, yeah, it's all into Because he, I swear to God, if that wasn't an intentionally, like, let me look like Mr. Poco, I, I don't know what that was supposed to be because he, he looked he identical looked, to Mr. Poco. He, he did. He looked like one of those deathmatch Joshis from the early 90s. Like, yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not Mr. Poco. Maybe I'm thinking of who am I thinking of? Like one of those like deathmatch Joshi. Yeah. Who, yes. Yeah, who I the can't. Who am I thinking of? It could have been you can name it, like any one of those uh, generic deathmatch Joshi's from like FMW in the night. Yeah, because like, he had blonde. He has blonde hair, of course, but then yeah, he wore the like blonde. a baggy red cutoff shirt or whatever, and then like you know camo shorts or whatever. It worked perfect. Yeah, I'm fuck. I'm trying to think of who that was. Which which one I'm wrestler I'm thinking of. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the idea of the match worked for me because it's it's you know it's so not Dragon Gate. You know, it's like you see. You know, if it was a promotion that does that shit all the time, like, you know, if it's big Japan, it's just, you know, roll your eyes, ho-hum, here we go again. This is what they do. But Dragon Gate doesn't do this. And they really, they pulled out this no DQ and they pulled out the barbed wire bats and they pulled out guys giving each other lariats with barbed wire. Uh, you know, this is not something they're going to do often at all. You know, so I like the idea on paper, but I'm watching this match and I'm rich. I got to be honest. I'm just not feeling an emotional connection to anything that's happening until until Susumu was left with the final two. From then on, I was feeling it. And even though I knew the result, they, I was still rooting for Susumu to, to, to overcome. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, he, 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 he's left in the ring with Shingo and T-Hawk. It's it, insurmountable odds. And that's the thing we talk about all the time with Dragon Gate 2. The baby faces don't always overcome the insurmountable odds like they do all the fucking time in WWE, which which insults you as a viewer and drives you crazy as a as an adult who's watching this stuff. When the baby faces overcome these odds, you have Susumu in there fighting valiantly, fighting hard, right? He manages to take out Shingo, who's the most hated man in the promotion, and you know, and he's left in there with T Hawk. But he, it, he just doesn't have enough left in the tank, and T-Hawk puts him away. And that's how it should have ended in that scenario. You know? It's, it should be – and then it should be super, super rare when the babyface overcomes those kind of odds against the two top heels in the company after a long, grueling match. You know, it's, it's intelligent. It's, it's insulting to your intelligence when the babyfaces overcome those numbers. You know? So – and then – and the, on the rare occasion that Dragon Gate does flip the script and do it, it's that much more special. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of promotions can learn from that, you know? And, and, and even though I knew the finish, and even though I know Dragon Gate's MO in these situations, I was still getting behind Susumu. So the match won me over at the end. The problem is the first five-sixths of it just didn't work for me. You know, Kness scores the first fall on punch. And then I'm saying to myself, you know what, Kness is probably going to get pinned almost immediately. And that's exactly what happened. And I'm not necessarily knocking it for being predictable or anything. But to me, it, it was a match that, that should have had heart all the way through. And for me, it didn't. For whatever reason, it didn't have heart all the way through until I was left with those final three men. Yeah. 
And and I think that, that I, I can see the possibility happening for sure. I mean, I, I'm I'm always somebody who's enjoyed the Jimmys. So for me, just knowing that that was kind of their last stand and that was going to be it for them, I think that almost helped me to kind of know that it was over. And then I had that closure of, okay, well, how are they going to get to this point? Uh, and watching them rally through the stuff and watching them, you know, when they got their pinfalls and and how awesome they felt and how, you, you know, much they enjoyed it. And and then, you know, the, the death match, like you said, not necessarily a death match, but it being a plunder match, it sort of worked for me because it is so unique in Dragon Gate. And it made it feel like, all right, this is not, like anything you've normally seen. I mean, this has been a grueling, you know, the five unit survival league has been a grueling thing. And these guys are here for a war. This isn't a match. These two, these two units are at a war and one is going to die and one is going to live. And that was always, that was kind of fun. And it didn't, it, it shouldn't have been a normal match. It needed to be something a little bit different uh, to make that work. But, you know, it, it was probably midway through the match when I really, it really connected with me. But, you know, overall, you know, even though I say it's an awesome match and I really enjoyed it, I think most people are going to come away similarly with you. And I think everybody should sort of come away similarly with you with that, that final moment. I mean, that's when the match hooks you. When, when, um, who got pinned before Susumu? I'm blanking on who the hell it was, uh, that got it was Saito, right? It was, it was Saito, yeah. <laughs> or was it? Oh, no, it was, uh, uh yeah, it was Saito. Yeah, it was so Saito. Saito was, yeah. yeah, so Saito was the last one. And then that happens. This is how Dragon Gate is so awesome is there was just a groan in the crowd, like, oh, fuck, like Susumu's yeah. done. Yeah. And they just cut to Susumu who's sitting and he doesn't even want to stand up. Because he knows the second I stand up, I'm fucking dead. Like, this this isn't going to work. And, and Tiok and Shingo just kind of look at him, and they're like, yeah, you're, you're done, dude. <laughs> like, this is your, your toast. And I think one thing that's awesome about it, too, is that they didn't immediately hit one move and then pin him. That those two assholes, because they're the high right. school bullies, just fucked around with the guy. Hey, you know, it's pile driving through a table. Why the fuck? Yep. They could have pinned him in two seconds. They could have both gotten on him and pinned him. But they're assholes. They're bullies. And the Jimmys are kind of the outcasts and the underdogs, you know. And Susumu is yeah. a professional underdog. I mean, he's he's everything that yep. you want an underdog. He's a guy with ten years between his title reigns, between single title reigns. This is a guy who who you, you know is like you said, and you were talking about as well, one of the more under, underrated wrestlers in the entire world, and and a guy that even in the Dragon Gate universe is probably underrated for 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 how great he is. But you know, you have this guy who who's got such a connection to the crowd that they sort of they know that it's over for him. They know he's dead. They know the Jimmys are over. They know it's all done. But it's like, man, if if, if Maybe just maybe if we root it a little bit more, he'll 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 win or he'll he'll get out of this or whatever. And that's what happened. Like because because T Hawk and, and Shingo were just beating the fuck out of him, doing it, you know, putting him through tables. I don't think Susumu had one offensive move until he eventually did pin uh, Shingo. Until then, it was just those dudes kind of fucking around and, and, and doing stuff. And then Susumu has to kind of resort to you know spring black mist. Like all right, look, I can't be Mister Nice Guy Jimmy Susumu. I gotta you know I gotta get a little rugged here. So he sprays the mist, and that's how he gets his one little thing. And the crowd's like, the, oh, the lariat, shit. the lariat with the barbed wire. Too. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, I forgot about that. Where then it's like, all right, shit. Like that. This is you know he's got to get a little dirty. He's got to get a little you know nuts here to do it. But then like you're saying, in the end, Tiox just you know, hey, I'm younger, I'm better, I'm fresher. It was just two on one. There's no way you're gonna beat me. And then very quickly after, just beats him. And it's cool in that sense because you can really then get that emotional connection to, man, it was so close. Man, we knew it was over, but a little part of us was hoping, oh, man, I, I, if, if we just cheer enough or if maybe everything goes right, Jimmy Susumu was going to win. And, and then he didn't. And you know, like you're saying, it's, it doesn't insult the intelligence for the good guys to lose. The asshole prick high school bullies won. And the nice underdog outcast that won over the hearts of everybody, they just lost in the end because they weren't better on that night. Than the high school bullies, the guys who get it all, Shingo, the guy, you know, the high school quarterback who gets whatever the fuck he wants, he ends up winning in the end. You know, T Hawk, the young upstart, you know, the wide receiver, whatever the hell he is on the high school team, he just wins because he's better because he's 
stronger and younger or whatever. And then the heart, I mean, they cut to the crowd and there's just women sobbing. And then after the match, when they're finally done, I mean, Susumu cuts a great promo and talks about, you know, I'm sorry, this is the end of the Jimmies. And for people don't know about background, the Jimmies, I wrote a little uh, article on voicewrestling.com just talking about my connection to this match and what I enjoyed about it. But we have, uh, and you can voicewrestling.com uh, if you want to check that out. And uh, Michael Spears, uh, who co-host of the uh, Open the Voice Gate, I just some of our, uh, you know, Dragon Gate uh, previews and stuff as well. He's doing a big, long thing about the Jimmies. So if you're not quite sure, you know, the history of the Jimmies and what comes into it, he's going to go through that but that's a unit that that is outcast i mean they were given an outcast name the jimmy i forgot what that means exactly it's just i, I it, it means like it, i forgot the exact translation but it's essentially a, it's not a good term you don't want to be called a jimmy you, you know right. like right. those guys don't want to be jimmies when they were initially jimmies it was a joke that they were jimmies like hey you guys all suck here now you're in a unit you guys well, they, yeah they yeah. yeah very quickly they lost a tag team match susumu and i forget who his partner was but who the original two were but they lost a match where the opponents got to name where the winners got to give an embarrassing name to the loser and the name that they were given were Jimmy's yeah. and it, because in, in Japanese, it means like you're a, like a dork or like a nerd or a geek is something along those yeah, lines. I forgot the exact translation, but it's something I, to that extent. Yeah. It's I think there's no good. direct translation. <laughs> it's just something where you're, 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 where you're, uh, you're, you're basic, you're, you're bland. That's what it is. It's like you're bland. So then, you know, the rest of these guys, uh, you know, join them and that's how the, the unit started and they, they ended up owning it. You know, that's the kind of thing when someone insults you, what's the best thing to do? You own it, right? Yeah. When people right, say, yeah, we are, I'm a dork. We are fucking dorks. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when people say that, you know, we're paid off by New Japan, we just run with it. We purchased the, uh, uh, the New Japan Mecca.com. Yeah. 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 We, we purchased the domain name and we, and we own it and we say, yeah, Kadani is, you know, you, you own the insult and you turn it around. And that's what the Jimmies were. They owned the insult and turned it around. And then they were one of the longest standing units. Not only they in the were, history, no, they of were the longest standing. They were the longest yeah, standing unit, but almost in the history of the Toriyaman, you know, universe. Yeah. You know, I think there was only one or two units that lasted longer than they did. But in Dragon Gate proper, yeah, the longest, you know, almost six years, which is an, an eternity for a unit to last. And again, people weren't really tired of them, you know. And if people were tired of them, this wouldn't have had the emotional impact that it had. If you wait until everyone wants them to break up. You know what I mean? So there's that factor that that works into it too. But uh, but yeah, no, go ahead, finish your point. I no, and that's, to... I was gonna say, that, and that's the big reason why you had a lot of the fans crying and, and all that sort of stuff because it was like you ripped this unit out of us. This is a unit that shouldn't have worked, but it worked because those guys were just so good and we loved them. And then it became endearing and and people loved them. And then they got ripped away from them by those high school assholes. You know, <laughs> like the reserve, those fucking dickwads. You know, took our jimmies from us, and we love those guys. And those are you know, for a lot of the fans there, were, were had that connection to the jimmies because it's like. You know, oh, that these guys are, you know, the, they're the outcasts. They're the, and, and maybe some of them feel themselves a little bit of themselves in the Jimmies of like, hey, these guys are, are, are made fun of at school and they're, you know, da, 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 or whatever. But in the end of the day, you know, they owned it and they made it work and they were confident in their own bodies and they were confident in their unit and confident in the names that people called at them and said, yeah, whatever. I'm a dork. Cool. Whatever. And, and made it work and made it awesome. And, and that's uh, just an incredible thing. And, and one thing that I love too is after the promo and after, you know, Sumo talks about, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that I did this. And, you know, I, I, you know, initially when I was given the Jimmy's name, I, I hated it, but then I became, you know, to love it or whatever. And everybody in the rink's crying. All the Jimmy's are, are wiping away tears. They cut to the crowd and everyone's sobbing in their towels and, and nobody can handle it. One of the things that I love the most is is that when it was done, they had to repair the ring because when uh, Susumu was getting beaten up by, by Tiok and Shingo, another really cool visual towel. And the, the, the optics, God, fucking Dragon Age just nails the optics. The rest of Berserk take down the ropes. 
saying yeah. this isn't a, this is just a brawl. This isn't a, f- a wrestling match anymore. We don't need the ropes. We don't need the turnbuckles. We don't need any of this shit. We're just going to beat the hell out of you. You know, we don't need any of this stuff. This is the world closing in on you. This is the wrestling world closing in on you, and you're just getting beat up here. And it, it's the visual that was just incredible. So they have to kind of put the ring back together, which is a really good idea because it gives everybody a moment and it's silence in the arena. They don't play any music. They don't really do anything. And they just cut, and there's just people. You can hear people crying as it's still going on. And then they cut to the announce table, and you got Yoshino and, and the announcer. I, I don't know the announcer's name. And Yoshino's wiping away tears, and he's crying about it. Like, yeah. I don't know what he was saying, but, you know, he's you can see he's choked up as well. And the announcer's choked up. And it's just like, man, Dragon Gate. Nobody else could do this. No other company no, can't. No, can no, make no. it like where we're – and they had to – there had to be like a five-minute delay before the next match. Because people could not have, you could not have just said, all right, well, here's the next match. Here we go. Here's, you know, Mochizuki. People weren't ready for that. They needed to cry it out a little bit. And that's something, I mean, yeah. that's just incredible. They can do that. I mean, Dragon Gate is, is, is just the, the connection that they have with their fans. It's just like on, nothing else. It's unmatched. It's unmatched. And and what a great theme that, that the Jimmys have, right? And you're only going to hear it a couple more times. Oh, I know. You know, I know. That, it's my favorite theme ever. I know that the, <laughs> that Jimmy farewell show was a couple days. Actually, this morning, and I know that's airing on, uh, on Gayora, the the farewell uh, Jimmy show in Kobe, and then I think um, they're doing one in Corican Thomas. too in uh, October. I think yeah, one of the, one of the shows. Yeah, October. I mean, look, two farewell shows for this unit too. <laughs> the unit of losers. Like, <laughs> I mean, think about that. I mean, that's incredible that they were able so, to do that. So it, it's quick. It's, quick booking notes here on the match. I want your take on this. Yeah, uh, T Hawk not only scores the final blow. And uh, pin Susumu, which I think was by design, but he really ran through a lot of guys. He pinned Horiguchi, he pinned Saito, and he pinned Susumu. So he he pinned, he pinned the last three. Yeah, yeah, he got he scored the last three falls uh, for Berserk. I think that um, uh, I guess uh, Shingo pinned uh, uh, Jimmy Kanda, I believe. Yeah, he he, he did the spike tombstone onto the, the bat, which was a crazy spot. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know who pinned Kness. I don't remember. But um, it was uh, Lindemann, right after Lindemann. Mr. Pogo did. It was right after Kness pinned Tamanaga for the first fall. Um, uh, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Th- so, T-Hawk scores the final uh, fall, and he scores the final three falls, uh, pinning the three, you know, most respected veterans. Um, uh, you know, other than, you know, you, you know, Kajitora wasn't involved in the match, obviously, because he had a match earlier in the night. So, he wasn't involved here. But um, they're not giving up on T-Hawk here. No, the gonna, Tioch thing is, is gonna keep going. They're gonna keep going. And, and I mean, look, he's still look, he's what, 25 years old. Um, he obviously has the size. They think he has the working ability. The problem with him is he hasn't been able to connect with crowds, particularly as a babyface. He's done well in tag teams. He's done very well. well I won't want to say very well. He's done okay as a heel. He's done well in tag teams. He just hasn't been able to connect with crowds as a babyface. Um, but it's very obvious that they're still gonna get behind him. Uh, and and uh, I, I am of the belief that he will be passed by by some of these other younger guys that they have in, uh, you know, coming up. But um, it just goes to show, even in a promotion like Dragon Gate, built around juniors, built around guys that weigh 100 and, you know, 100 and nothing pounds, okay? Size and look are still going to, you know, you're still going to get a million chances if you've got size and you've got look. You know, that's, pro, you know, even in Dragon Gate, you know, so what does that tell you? You know, so how do you feel about the big push for T-Hawk here? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess 
It's the right thing to do, right? It is. No, I mean, for right now it is. And and he's a guy that I'm, I'm sure, because obviously you don't want, you know, much as he's 47 years old, like you don't want to keep having to go to these guys and you want to have that next little level come together. I'm, I'm with you that I think that he's going to get passed up eventually by those other guys. But, you know, I'm of the mind that, you know, hey, see, you know, try it. If, if, if anything, you know, maybe don't go over the top of the talk thing, but make it a little bit of a slower build. Make it understand that because I don't think he's ever going to work as a face. I don't think that's ever going to work with him. He's just not good at it. He he doesn't come across that way. He comes across pretty well as a heel. So maybe that's the, the long game. for Maybe Shio, he's just a successor to Shingo. Maybe instead of it seems like they're constantly trying to have him ricochet off of Shingo into some big baby face run. Right. That, that one day he's going to turn on Shingo and everyone's going to go nuts. Like I don't think that's yeah. Maybe he's not that. Maybe it's just the maybe he's just the next Shingo. Yeah. You know, but, but here's the problem. Shingo's not as on his way out the door. <laughs> right. Shingo's the Shingo. Yeah. Shingo's the, the first Shingo. The, so. He's in the smack dab middle of his prime. And he's really, and he's peaking over the last year or two. Guy's fucking awesome. I mean, to me, he was the standout here, aside from Susumu. Oh, he was the most there. brutal. I mean, all those other guys weren't really. If you watch the match, it's kind of funny. Like, a lot of the guys are like kind of because they're not used to that. Like, you see Jimmy Susumu, I think there was one point where he was trying to hit somebody on like the ring post and he was just like kind of softly did it. See, like, Rich, and that's the thing. Yeah. So, some of the falls looked brutal, okay? But I really think because the match lacked that violent punch, no pun intended with my man punch there, but because the match sort of lacked that violent punch that it was intended to have, I wasn't feeling it until the final three. Yeah, and that's fair. But I think Shingo throughout that always, I mean, if there was ever a moment where things were happening, Shingo would come in and just fucking take someone's head off at the Lariat. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. Okay, here we go. Like, he was far and away the best guy in this entire match. And that, or uh, Probably Susumo. Probably Susumo number one. But, but, but Shingo number two, definitely. I mean, that's a guy who, who just, his offense looks amazing. I mean, it's just so brutal, so fast, so powerful. So, yeah, that's going to be the issue is that you're always going to have Shingo there. But, yeah, maybe T-Hawk as the underling. Maybe that's just enough. Maybe him just being the, you know, the, the little runt under Shingo is is what the long term story of him is, which is fine. I mean, this is this is a case where he sort of you know he's going to get a lot of heat because of this because he pretty much single handedly ended the Jimmys. So I guess that's uh, something we're going to see a little bit more. I and mean, maybe they'll build you get pushed harder bit, than that, and you score no. the final three falls. I mean, <laughs> right. you know, so this is what I mean. This was this is a big thing that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. I to be fair, I didn't read Case's review yet. Uh, maybe he made the point, and if he did. Uh, good on him, but I think um, I haven't seen a lot of chatter about the the nature of how this played out, and you know, all aboard with T Hawks still. So, and then again, just because I don't look, I don't necessarily disagree. If this is the guy you want to get behind, this is a way to get behind him. I mean, you know, this is a tremendous way to continue that push. So, um, I'm going to watch the rest of the show. So, there's a lot of stuff here that I really want to. Uh, Sink my teeth into you know I love Kajator, so I want to see his Brave Gate defense against uh, Yusuke Santa Maria, and I want to see uh, you know the young dudes in this company who are all awesome. You know my man Ben K. I think he scored a fall on this show, so um, you know I want to check that out. And there was a Twin Gate match, so there's a lot here that I just didn't have time to get to this week, but um, I, I'm definitely going to watch the rest. And uh, maybe we can stick them back in hour three next week and talk about the rest of the show. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, those final two matches definitely must see if you're, if you're watching wrestling this year, I mean, just for the emotion and, and even if you're not a big dragon gate fan, I think you're still going to always, uh, there's going to be a connection. If you read the stuff, if you read cases review, we have it on the website case low uh, reviewed obviously dangerous gate 2017 uh, read my column. And then uh, Michael Spears, the, the upcoming Jimmy's piece he's going to have, we'll, we'll probably give you enough to kind of give you a, an idea. Hey, if you're new in a dragon gate, but the people that are in a dragon gate, uh, this is, I mean, it's 
absolutely must watches. Uh, even if the matches don't do a ton for you, just the emotion, just the stories. It's it's just it's it's unmatched in wrestling. What they're able to do. So, uh, yeah, that was our Dragon Gate. See, we didn't bury it in our three people. There you go. Everyone's happy. And I was loving. We we love Dragon Gate. We love talking about it. It's just the wrestling world gets so nuts sometimes, and we just have no. It, it, Dragon Gate. We always say this, and it's always the sin of them. Is they're like consistently too good. They're just yeah. consistently okay. Because then nothing stands out. Right. You're like, well, that was a good show. That was a good show. That was a good match. That was really emotional. They do a good job at this. They just do too good of a job. And they need to suck sometimes like they did at the beginning of the year. But even then, you know, when it, when they sucked at the beginning Listen, of the year. Listen, yeah. I thought the beginning of the year they were awesome. Uh, they, the middle of the year, as I, I should there was, say. That's, yeah, there was a lull there in the spring, which coincided with when I wasn't watching. But the beginning of the year was, I mean, they were on fire there in January and February. Yeah, but, they just but, they just fall victim to the New Japan, you know, blowing up in the, in the summer. And, and WWE always being nuts and always having something to talk about. And then, like the independence, always just kind of always it really, it. yeah. <laughs> it really seems like when there's something big happening in Dragon Gate, we're inundated with other stuff. Even this week, Bobby Heenan dies. You got no mercy coming up. <laughs> you got 15 we, things on our run sheet here. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. This is the longest, the most topics we've ever had on our run sheet ever. We're in between two New Japan pay per views. There's a ROH pay per view <laughs> that nobody realizes is happening. You know, there's the Jinder Mahal racist shit. There's an Evolve weekend coming up. And oh, by the way, Evolve is being sued by Flow Slam. And all of this shit is happening, you know, right when this, uh, you, know, uh, you know, in the Noah show that we promised to preview from Yokohama. And it's like, that always seems to happen with Dragon Gate. But you were like, no, fuck that. We're doing it in hour one. We're finding a way. And we did. So, uh, so I feel good about that because it's never intentional. It's kind of become like this running meme but it's never on purpose. It's not like we're doing a gimmick. Yeah, it's not the Star K91 thing, which which we will review coming up. Maybe next week. I think we actually should review that next week. But uh, no, like we don't try to. It's just like we'll talk. We'll, we'll go over all the madness that's going on. And everyone's being crazy. And, and Global Force Impact Zone Wrestling is changing the name again. And this is happening. We, we get through all that. And then it's like two hours and 10 minutes. Or two and, hours we have, and, yeah. and we're like, fuck. <laughs> like, we, got 11, we got 11 minutes left. Yeah. And it's like, what's the point? You know? Right. Because we want to have a, like 45 minutes where we talk about Dragon Gate and break it all. Because it deserves that it doesn't deserve five minutes to, you know to go over it so you know if you ever break me someone had a great idea i forget who it was i want to say it might have been chad campbell if you ever break me and talk me into a patreon we got to do starcade 91 as a patreon uh, show oh absolutely yeah like a live is it a live view or just a review do we do we watch it together and i think people would be happy with anything at that point just to hear us break <laughs> I, but but if you ever manage to break me on that and the action zone and that action zone tag too and the action zone tag correct the action zone was it uh one two three kid it's, it's and, one two three uh, kid Ramon uh, versus Diesel and uh, Michaels I believe Shawn Michaels yes which again we the never fucking got rules by the way that's <laughs> just so awesome because remember for a while we were doing that gimmick where we'd give each other a match yeah yeah we don't have time for that shit anymore so it's like and 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 that was like the last segment we did on that that was the next match we were set to review and then we just dropped the gimmick. <laughs> So we maybe, you know, it's just if we, I wish we had time because I like, I loved doing that gimmick. Yeah, it was great. I, I watched a whole new stuff, a bunch of new things that, that I've never seen whole, before. Yeah, yeah, you'd give me shit that I never saw. I'd give you shit that you never saw. And we'd expose each other to different shit. And it led to some really great radio. We did that Coco Beware Patriot thing, which was a fucking amazing radio. And, and uh, you know, I forget some of the other matches we did, but it always led to, oh, remember we did the, uh, what was it? It was the uh, the nightmares versus the Southern Boys from from uh, from uh, Continental. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Remember? 
Yeah, and that you know, started my long continental run where I was like for a month straight just watching continental wrestling. Yeah, so it's like it, that was a really cool gimmick that we were doing. You know, maybe we need to dust it off. You know, but the problem is you can't like a week like this. You can't predict it. Like fucking wrestling can't not be nuts for a week. Yeah, if we like if we did the gimmick last week, and then all this shit happens, no one expects Bobby Heenan to die and WWN to get sued. You know what I mean? To make a you know nineteen seventy two shitty joke about about an, an asian guy but here we are yeah and then we end up three year, three four five years later still having not reviewed yet <laughs> the, the action zone tag so um and, and look all of this rambling we're not gonna get to all this shit what do we got right. next here man we can go to all different fields here i want to talk WWE though real quick because uh, there's some cool stuff you were talking about WWE network and i think this is a nice little parlay into the uh WWE network survey that they sent uh to this week to a lot of different people anybody i think uh ex-subscribers and current subscribers got it as well i believe pretty much everybody on their email list i think got it but uh yeah it was a WWE network survey i had a few questions uh you know some pretty interesting stuff things that i definitely wanted us to get to a little bit was this one section that they had it said uh it was kind of titled with uh, new programming and the the title head was WWE uh is is considering adding new programming to the WWE Network as part of a premium priced tier. We'll put a little mark on that because we'll talk about it here in a sec. Listed below are some potential new programming ideas. Please let us know if you are interested in any of these ideas. Select if you are extremely, very, moderately, somewhat, or not all that interested in those ideas. So, Joe, I think we can kind of play the same game too. So extremely, very, moderately, somewhat, or not interested at all in these things. First part, premium price tier. We knew it was going to happen. We knew the 999 was, was unsustainable from the moment People argued with us. People told us we were wrong. And da, 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 da. we knew from the exact moment that that nine ninety nine for everything was unsustainable. And this is this is just the first step in it. Premium price tier. That's gonna be fourteen ninety nine before long. People, one way or another, they're gonna get fourteen ninety nine out of you. And I will pay it. Right, I will too. They won't. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna pay it because if they do some of the stuff that they're talking about here, and they won't do all of it, and they probably won't do most of it, but a lot of it's uh, really cool. Uh, sounds really cool on paper, and I will pay for it. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, so here's, here's some of the stuff. So again, we'll, we kind of play the same game here. So it's extremely, very, moderately, somewhat, or not interested at all. So first one they have is WWE Director's Cut. Shows that put a new twist on classic content, such as WWE Legends narrating historic pay-per-views, or current WWE uh, superstars providing their perspective and al- uh, analysis of classic matches and events. Are you extremely interested, very, moderately, somewhat, or not at all? I, uh, I don't know how far I went on the scale. I think what I did when I took the survey is I went all or nothing on everything. I either put, if I liked the idea, I said I was extremely interested. And if I didn't like the idea, I put extremely not in. I just, I went extreme. I, I was about the same too. I think I was very, I was very interested in one. And then every other one was either extremely or, or not interested at all. Because I don't want them to even think of some of these things. I'm like, no, I don't fucking do this. <laughs> not interested Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> point being on, on this one, I was interested. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds cool, especially the uh, the Legends narrating historic pay-per-views. That's a really fun thing. I know uh, Austin used to do that on his podcast where he'd go over a match, and, and a Flair did it a few times. I mean, that's always cool to get those perspectives from those guys. A Foley was always good about that uh, on his DVD releases of you know doing commentary of, of his matches and stuff. So, no, definitely involved in that. Uh, this one, I am assuming you're the same as I am because uh, I was very not interested at all. New reality shows, reality shows featuring life on the road for the WWE superstars and insider's no, view of WWE superstars' intense training and workout regiments. WWE no, superstar Crib. Uh, WWE style apprentice to win a job at WWE or WWE Legends House Season 2 Attitude Era. Not interested at all. Especially Legends House Season 2 Attitude Era. Fuck you. No. Don't don't care. Don't care. Now, you know, if if, if I put on, you know, I'm still one of these people who will put on the network live stream if I've got, if it's three in the morning and I'm just doing like work for the shoot job or something. They they, they don't show anything good on that stream though. It always sucks. 
See, that's my thing. Like, if there's like a ride along episode on or something, <laughs> yeah, it's always- I'll, I'll, I'll leave it on and then leave it on his background and listen to Xavier Woods tell jokes to Biggie in the car. But it's not something I need in my life, and I am not interested. Yeah, I put extremely interested there. Uh, tournaments, new in-ring tournaments such as a pro-am style tournament, WWE versus NXT, a lucha tournament, a tag tournament, or king and slash queen of the ring tournaments. Now, I'm kind of interested in your thoughts because I went a different way with this. I went not interested at all, and I want to see what your your take was. Well, like I said last week, I think the tournaments are the best thing they do on the network. So I'm all in on this. Give me more tournaments. I think it's the I think it's one of the few things that this company does where it's really made for smarks like us with the sports build and the video packages. I'm all about the tournaments. I yeah, I was all about it. So I like the tournaments and I like everything that you said. The problem that I hate is the poaching of talent. That's what kind of worries me. And that's why I'm like, ah, do I really want you to do it? This one didn't seem like necessary. Like if they poach Lucha and won't really bother me all that much, they've kind of poached the Indies and stuff for the Cruiserweight Classic. That's my only worry is I just don't like when they just grab talent from places and do that. So that, that's that's my only reservation with, with them doing the tournaments. If they do, I don't care because I enjoy them, but I always do worry a little bit about their, their talent poaching because I think it's healthy for them not to just go and grab everybody that they can and for these tournaments and, and try to get them in. But, you know, they're the big, you know, people are going to want to do them. People are going to want exposure so i get it and it is a business but but that's always my reservation there a little bit uh this is an interesting one here tna historic and new programming from tna slash impact slash gold force wrestling because WWE doesn't know what the fuck they're calling themselves this week either uh, so yeah what is your thoughts on historic new programming from tna impact and global force wrestling the new is a pretty interesting part too there absolutely give it to me yeah i said interesting you know, as well. I, I, have, I have no problem with that and, and it's like i'm on record as saying if if Anthem rolls out their 799 service with TNA, Noah, AAA, and the Crash, I'm paying for it. I like wrestling, Rich. So you know, it's like I, I would take if you want to give it to me in a neat, tidy package on one over the top on WWE Network. Give it to me. Audio channel, a section of WWE Network for listening only that provides audio play-by-play of pay-per-views, music's playlists, sports radio style call-in shows, and podcasts. Joe, what are your thoughts on the audio channel? You know what? I read that and I thought it sounded like a pretty decent idea. I do. It's weird. I do listen to radio shows and podcasts through my TV sometimes through certain yeah, same thing. Yeah, through certain apps on my you know Android TV or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I put yes, but I have a feeling it would be poorly executed. Yeah, I mean, if they want to hire us, that's definitely a yes too. That would work as well. But I don't think. Oh, I don't sure. Think, I mean, I don't I, think we'd last long in Stanford. But you know, hey, give it a try. I mean, we'd last exactly one show. <laughs> we'll do one call-in show. That'll be fine. So, yeah, I'd love to talk to Universe fans on a call-in show. That'd be, uh, that'd be fantastic. Uh, listen, I'm all about doing call-in shows. You're the one that doesn't want to do it because you think it's just it's going to produce just. No, I, I like call-in shows. I think now we have a good pe- amount of people that that. No, I I would like a call-in show, but uh, yeah, there's. There, there are always issues, but I think now we've cultivated a pretty good uh, uh, crew of people. And there, there was a, yeah, maybe last year where, you know, doing a call-in show would have been uh, pretty shitty, but now I think we, uh, we got a pretty good uh, group of people. But yeah. If I can at least screen them some way, that, that would be helpful other than, hey, you're on and, you know. You guys? Yeah. Whatever. Ring of Honor, historic and new programming from Ring of Honor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, someone needs to fucking yeah, put someone shows- fucking put 2004 shows up on the yeah. on something somewhere. Like, I, I don't think. Listen, I don't think Sinclair's ever selling that shit because if they didn't take the fucking reported, rumored, slashed, whatever, ten million dollars or nine, what was it, nine million dollars? If they didn't take the nine million dollars from Flow, <laughs> there, I don't think they're we'll interested in selling it. Bit, but, uh... And but here's the thing: nine million dollars is nothing to Sinclair. 
No, they're they're, you know I mean? they're they're about to become the biggest media company in the entire fucking what is it the world? I know it's the country for right. sure. I mean, they're 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 one you know court document away from becoming you know being able to buy WGN and becoming the biggest in the entire fucking country. So yeah, they right. ten million nine million dollars doesn't mean a damn thing to them. They don't care. ROH is a, they don't care. ROH is a, a line on the ledger. That's all it is. Our ROH is filling airtime, and they're not interested. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's a pipe dream. I think that probably has people excited when WWE talks about shit like that. And from WWE's point of view, they have to ask about all these companies. That's doing due diligence, you know, to see what their fans are really into. If they get a shocking result and say like eighty percent of their respondents want this TNA shit, they're probably going to make a call to Anthem. You know what I mean? But it's like so you have to do that if you're WWE. But I don't think, you know, not not in the current landscape anyway that, you know, you never say never in wrestling, but the ROH thing, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a pipe dream for now. Unless Aunt, or, uh, Sinclair were to sell it. But I, again, like, why would they sell it? It's cheap programming for them, really. I mean, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's serving its purpose for Sinclair. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and, they're, and they're they're more successful than they've ever been mm-hmm. as a wrestling promotion. Whether we like it or not, yeah, it's, it's true. People but... ignore that fact, but I mean, you know, they're doing very well and, and they're achieving exactly what Sinclair wants them to achieve. Right. They have different fans than they used to. And, they, and a lot of us who, who watched it before can't comprehend that. Go to a Ring of Honor show and you will see a bunch of people. You you have no clue who these people are. You talk to them. They don't follow the same people you do. They don't read the same sites you do. They don't go to the same place. I mean, it, it, it's just a matter of it now. I mean, you know what I think it comes down to? Everyone needs to apologize to Kerry Silken. Because when he fired Gabe Sapolsky in 2008 or whatever, well, it was 2008 or 2000, it was 2008. When he fired Carrie, uh, Gabe Sapolsky in 2008 and said that the reason being is that he wanted to ROH to reach a different sort of fan uh, because it's the only way it was going to grow, he was right. It just took several more years and new ownership for that to come to fruition. But if Gabe Sapolsky would have stayed in that position all of that time, they'd still be selling the same 300 DVDs to the same 300 people. You know what I mean? So, you know, Silken had the proper vision. He just wasn't the guy to carry it out. (laughs) Pun intended or what? The carry it out. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with yes because that was really good. Even okay, though I was, I was going to give you a second to kind of like yeah, that was, on the back there, but was, uh, that was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was it's, yeah. the best ones. Uh, this I couldn't hit. Not interested at all. More uh, TV 14 in ring show. Oh yeah, a new weekly version of ECW parentheses Extreme Championship Wrestling or other quote edgy new programming rated TV 14. I couldn't have responded no faster. <laughs> Can you imagine? The problem with this, though, is I, I promise you, Joe, they're going to get like an 80% extremely yes. Because people think that WWE sucks because it's PG and not because WWE just sucks. Like, oh, if they just could call a woman a bitch, this show would be better. But damn it, it's not. Like, I love that in the year of our Lord 2017, we're still trying to push ECW nostalgia in some fu- <laughs> It still has a pulse. In Yo, some- that one is going to get so much. That is going to get the most of all. I know these. it is. You're right. You're right. You're probably right. There's those attitudes. Are there, oh, any sort of like the, your what culture fans, you're those sort of guys. You know what I mean? Like the, the I mean, what culture, the website, those sort of things, your Bleach Report fans, your even my casual fan friends are all, oh, you know, oh, I wish they would just go to TV 17. I'm like, it, 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 it fucking sucks one way or another. It sucked then too. Like if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. It has no, nothing to do with the fact that, you know, Sasha can call Becky a bitch. That doesn't make it better. It's going to still suck. Like, you know, it, 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 geez, it's, it's ridiculous, but that one for sure is going to get like 80% people are going to say yes, but uh, hopefully, hopefully a few of us are not interested at all. We'll, we'll certainly help that. But uh, other promotions, historic and new programming from ICW progress, new Japan pro wrestling or other regional indie promotions. That's a lot yeah, to unpack absolutely. there. Yeah. I mean, fuck it. Yes, absolutely. Sure. Why would you, you say no it, to that? Do you find it weird that 
New Japan is lumped with ICW progress and quote other regional indie promotions. Do you think maybe I, it would have been might have been worth having New Japan be its own thing to kind of no, test, hey, no. how many of our fans are are into New Japan specifically versus into all these other things? Or do you kind of assume that the 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 carryover is gonna be enough that you're gonna get an idea of your demographics from that? I guess from that perspective, you convinced me that yes, they probably should have done that. Um, but I, I think people shouldn't should be very careful reading into the promotions that are listed and things like that. I mean, You're right. you know, this is the same company with Dragon's Gate and Triple H <laughs> claiming he was a huge fan of Dragon's Gate, you know? So, um, it, 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 look, you know, I should they, actually you know as you say, I'm going to tweet at uh, Triple H and see what he thought about that. Jimmy's farewell. <laughs> I'm sure he yeah, was yeah, yeah. wiping away tears backstage at whatever arena at the Santa, at the SAP center or whatever in San Jose going like, Oh God. All right. All right. All right. We got it. I got to focus. I got to get back to this, but man, yeah, maybe he, it's all maybe, over. It's all maybe, over for the Jimmys. Like, maybe he'd go deep and give you a big breakdown of Yamamura and his potential. You never know. Right. Um, but Shun Skywalker, I tell you, that guy's got a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. He I wouldn't. fucking loves Ben K. Don't ever let Triple H see Ben K. Though. Oh, forget it. He'll be gone in a second. Ben K. Will be signed in two seconds. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, without question. Don't ever let Triple H completely stunt Dragon's Gate. Yeah. Yeah, and he'll go to the P- he'll go to the performance center. He'll completely stunt his growth. You know, he'll be working Riddick Moss style for the rest of his life. You know, because. <laughs> It's, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, I wouldn't read into the promotions that they list and things like that. They're probably just listing places that they think right. people it's not like they're on the edge of signing a contract. Like, it's not like they just need to stamp it and want to find out for sure that the fans right. want it. And then it's like, all right, cool. Now we will buy New Japan. Bro. I mean, that's, that's, not, it's not. At that I've heard some people say, oh, that was a side swipe to New Japan, calling them a regional indie. I think, please, they're not thinking that deep. You know, the person who probably put this together was probably some, you know, production assistant and you know what i mean who was given this task to put this uh thing together i wouldn't read into that stuff at all i you don't read too deep into it uh original scripted dramas (laughs) so wrestling themed series inspired by wrestling's colorful and rich history such as WWE's version of game of thrones i you know what i couldn't (laughs) give me a i almost i here's what i did with this rich I went right to no, but then I said, no, wait a minute. I have to see the shit show that this produces. I'm going <laughs> I'm going to go with yes. Yeah, I, I did the same as well because I was like, I'm never going to watch it. I don't care. But yeah, waste your fucking money on a WWE version of Game of Thrones. And the best part about that is too is that Mookie Ghana, you know, one of our uh, WrestleNomics radio co-hosts, has been tracking that because like a George Barrios thing has been WWE's Game of Thrones for like – from the moment they launched the network to even talking about the network in every single conference call, they always talk about WWE's version of Game of Thrones. And they're going to, I feel like they're going to be saying it for the next 10, like Game of Thrones will be long gone, be 10 years past, and they're going to still be like, oh, we, it'd be great to have a show that is like Game of Thrones, but in WWE's universe or like, you know, WWE's version of, they fucking love WWE's version of Game of Thrones. And he he tweeted out earlier, if you follow Matt Bukigana, tweeted out like these seven or eight other times in conference calls where they've mentioned WWE's version of Game of Thrones, so they really do enjoy it. This one I was all in on. First time ever get a live ringside view of select WWE house shows. Why are you not doing this already? You film this shit anyway. Just put it on the network. We've been, we've been screaming about this since they rolled the network out. I mean, yeah. there's no reason not to do it. It's great filler stuff. It's stuff to put on the live feed. You know, it doesn't make sense not to do it. Yeah, you don't have to promote it. You can just kind of put it. I mean, let people, if they want to find it, find it. If they don't want to find it, whatever. You don't have to throw it in their face and say, oh, go watch it. Because people have concerns about, oh, well, they do the same matches. Or, you know, what if they screw up? Or these arenas aren't very nice and everything doesn't look good. You don't have to say, everybody go watch this. You don't have to have Michael Cole yammer on about it. Just throw it on there. Throw it on the live stream. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I throw it on the live stream. I would just you know, not even promote it that much. Just kind of say, hey, and then it's, you know, on, on Friday night at 7 p.m., you go on the live stream and there it is. Like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'll watch, you know, this WWE house show from Des Moines. Why not? Who cares? Hey, you don't even have to archive it. No, you could just be able for the live. Yeah. Yeah. 
Here it is, Thursday night from Des Moines. We're going to show this house show, and it, you don't even have to archive it. Just put it on the live stream. You know, you, the live stream is something that they really don't really don't utilize, do except it. for yeah, once a month. You know, it's, it, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, and I don't know if it's worth it to do that or if there's any kind of market advantage to doing that. But I mean, if you have my, my whole thing is, is if you have something, utilize it. So, you know, fuck, put it on the live stream. Yeah, I still don't know why we don't have a studio show. I don't know why they just don't throw a camera on and have some fucking guy with parted brown hair in front of the camera going, oh, well, here's what happened this week. Or they, well, you know, to be fair, they do. They had that this week in WWE. Which do I they do know. that? Does it, does it still show on the live stream anymore? I don't know. I, I don't think it does. That's they going did. all the way back to Arda Ocal. And- right, exactly. Kyle Edwards, sir. That is Kyle Edwards to you. But yeah, I don't think they... Uh- <laughs> Jeez. Um, but yeah, he, um, <laughs> you know, this is the perfect name too. This is the most generic fucking like, you can't get more. Yeah. I mean, God, Kyle Edward. <laughs> that's a triple a pitcher that never gets called up, you know, right. Kyle. but it's like, <laughs> he, so I, I think that they, they did, or at least they did. I have no idea. I, I was watching it for a while because yeah, I, I don't like, think it's on the network anymore. I, I could be wrong. Maybe people can, uh, can chime in here, but, uh, yeah, I don't it know if that's on recently there. because I was watching it fairly recently because I was okay, watching it because I was watching it instead of watching the TV. And getting all the big angles and all that sort of thing, um, but you know, so I don't know. I, I've no, honestly, I have no clue if it's still on. Yeah, I mean, if anything, just have a studio show where people are just kind of chatting or you know, like something with that. I mean, it doesn't take anything. You have a giant studio right there. Just plop people down and and, and do whatever. You know, like I, I don't know why you can't do a little bit more. I mean, even that, even the this week in WWE was a little more overproduced than probably I would uh, want. Just maybe don't just whatever. Just, uh, but yeah, anyway, that's 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 the live stream there. But a few more things here before we get uh, to the end of this segment. Uh, special live events, uh, special one-time live events from unique locations around the world, featuring an unexpected main event. I mean, why wouldn't you? That's that's Brock Lesnar beating up Kofi Kingston. That was the greatest show ever. But what was that one? The um, the one they did in the UK, right? The UK. Which one I'm thinking of? There was what was the one? There was no Japan. Beast in the East. Japan. That was it. Japan. Yeah. Why was I thinking in UK? Yeah. And then there was the the the, the MSG show. The MSG house show. But yeah, do that. I mean, that Starcade thing coming up in in on Thanksgiving. Yeah, for sure. Roadblock. Yeah. There's roadblock. Oh, the roadblock, right? Before roadblock, end of the line became roadblock, end of the line. It was just roadblock, right? Correct. Uh, and then original, oh god, original scripted comedies, comedies such as WWE Superstar Roasts, Southpaw International, uh, regional wrestling, or WWE's version of The Office. Can you imagine WWE's version of The Office, Joe? Yeah, it sounds pretty terrible. This is a good time to point out that am I the only person that thought Southpaw wasn't funny? Um. I'm, I'm kind of the same as you. I watched the gifts and I watched the little quick things and I went, Ooh, I'm going to enjoy this. And then I watched one episode and I was like, I, I don't enjoy this. <laughs> it, it, like I smirked a couple times. I'll, you know, but it's like, I, that's not the funny. gimmick gets old. Like within 20 seconds, like you, you're like, Oh cool. John Cena is a Southern regional wrestling announcer. Oh, this guy's, you know, a weird over the top character, but yeah, it, it, and I'm not, and I'm not annoyed from the perspective of they're picking on no territories because some people are, but I don't care about that. I think you know it's all in good fun. I don't give a shit what the motive is. I just didn't think. I just don't think it's all that funny. I'm not trying to be like a buzzkill. I just didn't think it was that. Funny. I was with you too. I, I thought the the idea and the concept was great, but it just in 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 actuality, you were just like, eh, yeah, yeah. After ten minutes of the same joke over and over, which is essentially what it is, it, it it's just kind of. I look. I think the club. Uh, could be way funnier in that environment if they wrote their own shit. Like, I, like those, like especially Gallows. That's right up his alley. 
you know, and the Sex Ferguson thing and all that. What do they call that? They don't call him Sex Ferguson. They call him something else. Tex Ferguson, maybe. I think yeah, they, Tex Ferguson. They, yeah. Changes. It. But I mean, you know, you know, it, it, it's. I don't know. It just. I don't know. I just didn't find that funny. I thought. Yeah, the funny. writing. The writing was a little too overdone, and and, and it would have been funny if they just kind of let, like you're saying, like don't let those two dudes just kind of do their own thing or whatever. But yeah. now they're funny guys, you know. You know, they've got talented people there who could be funny on their own. Who knows? Maybe they did write their own shit on that. I don't know. But all I know is I didn't think it was very funny. All I know is I was extremely interested in WWE's version of The Office. So. I played extremely what are you more interested in uh game, the game of thrones or the office uh probably their office one i i uh game of thrones doesn't do much for me um, who would be jim you know what i have a great answer for this jim okay it's dean ambrose right sammy zane oh okay okay all right right but who would be pam i was gonna say renee but that was the dean renee thing but uh gotta be it's bailey right hmm what about Becky? What about Becky Lynch? That she seems like a good Oh, bit. she's a good bit. You're right. Yeah. She might be a little too sexy. I'm you into think, the Becky. Yeah. Oh, I'm into I'm, the Becky Lynch. I'm with you too. Yeah, that, that's because that was always the issue with, with, with the thing with Pam is like you knew she was a babe, but like girl next door, babe. Exactly. In the sense that yeah, Becky. Well, I, I think you could I think Becky could 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 pull that off. She could do it. You're right. I think she could, but I, I don't know. I just a little too hot, I think. A little too just a little too hot for the role. <laughs> Damn you, Becky. Stopping. Yeah. What about Dwight Schrute on the roster? Oh, I got one. Let's think. Okay. I mean, hold on. Give me a sec. Because he can't be like Enzo. Some people are going to say it, but Enzo is like a different type of annoying. Right? No, it's not, it's not Enzo. It's not, it can't I, be Enzo. Yeah. I got, a good, I got a good one. Go ahead. I'm, I'm blanking. Bo Dallas. <laughs> okay. What about uh? <laughs> this show's nobody's watching this show. What about <laughs> Sammy Zayn trying to woo Becky Lynch and, right. <laughs> and then, oh, Dallas trying to foil him? Dallas is the foil. How about Creed? How about Creepy Creed? Yeah, yeah. I was actually while, while the entire time I was trying to think of uh, Dwight, I was saying yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna circumvent the uh, the the Dwight thing and go to Creed. That's because it's got to be an old guy. It's got to be like Chris Jericho, right? They're like someone like that. He's creepy in a I have heads in my freezer kind of way. Yeah. Um. You know, he's not creepy in a pervert way because that would be Lawler, obviously. <laughs> um, that, I guess. But, but I don't know. Maybe Vince himself, right? Who else could it be? I mean, I, I, I'm not feeling a creep. Listen, they fire everybody before they turn 40. Yeah, so. I'd be like Howard Finkel would be a great one too, but he's like too far gone. So He's too jovial too. You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Creed was like deep down kind of evil. So Yeah, Creed was a creepy dude, you know? And then you got Toby. You got to have someone who uh, <laughs> the AJ, yeah, just like the bump, like that's. I kind of feel like Sami Zayn would work for that, though. He's got to be Jim. Like, He's got to be Jim. I'm telling. Okay, all right, I'm all in on Zayn is Jim. I, I, I'm all he in. He can pull on. it off too. He's he's, so, he's such a good actor too, and such good with those facials too that he could really, really make it work. Yeah, we didn't even we didn't even cast Michael Scott. I mean that. Well, unfortunately, that would be like Vince McMahon. He'd be like, God damn, I'll do it on my own. Like, <laughs> it's just like, no, you know, he watched one episode of The Office and decided that he could do it. Yeah, who would be like, who would be a good, if it, it, it's not a McMahon, it can't be a Shane, it can't be a Vince, it can't be a Triple H. So you got to, we got to get a guy who thinks he's super cool, but he's really a dork, an absolute putz, a failure. It's probably Michael Cole, right? He wouldn't be a bad Michael Scott. <sighs> who else could that be? Or like like a it's not gonna work like because I'm trying to think of like a guy with that but like a Dolph Ziggler type would work too. 
Ziegler Dolph thinks he's fucking awesome. He's, Ziegler might not be bad. You know what? Ziegler thinks he's the funniest fucking guy in the room. I, I think not it's ever. <laughs> I think it's got to be Ziegler. I think you're right. I mean, I you, can, you, can, you, know, you can get him back to you know the the. Remember that one? He came out that one week with uh, with brown hair. So, Remember no, that? you're right. I know. I don't even think he have changed anything. I think he wears wrestling tights. <laughs> right. I, I think it's Ziggler. He thinks he's the shit. You think because he's, he's the guy who's like, I own a condo. It's like, okay, Dolph, cool. Like, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do stand up comedy. It's like, yeah, you're really not funny though. <laughs> Has anybody told you that? Like, I, I drive a Dodge Stratus. You know? Right. Like, I'm, I'm glad Very you go right. to the like improv classes, but you're not funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's Dolph. You nailed it's it. It's got to be Dolph. Yeah. Yeah, lock it in, lock it in for sure. Well, on Twitter uh, at Voices Wrestling, let us know your other ones, your Tobys, your your. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of ones. Your Ryan's, you know, of course, you got to get a Ryan in there. Uh, the yeah. understudies. There's a lot of a lot of good characters there. So yeah, at Voices Wrestling, let us know because we'll spend. We 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 could do an entire show. That's our next Patreon too. Is Joe and, and Rich cast and write uh, the entire first season of WWE's version of The Office. So uh, <laughs> other stuff though about this survey, they also asked subscribers how important it would be. Uh, to get the following perks as a premium subscriber. So, Joe, what do you think about these following perks? First access to new merchandise. I know you were all in on this. You, if, you're nothing if not a man who, who was constantly at voiceofwrestling.com slash WWE shop getting the latest wares from WWE and the latest graphic tees with really large lettering all over it. I can make this super easy for you. I went hard no on every single perk. I don't need your ticket discounts. I don't need your merch. I don't need the first in line to events. You don't want a slammy vote? I don't want to vote for the. Sl- I don't want any of that shit. I just want to watch you wrestling. Want breaking news before social media gets it, Joe. I listen. You know, I thought ESPN and Fox News and uh, <laughs> CBS Sports. I thought they get all the breaking news. Before, I guess not. Uh, but yeah, I wonder, yeah. do you get it before they send a press release to Bleacher Report? That's going to be the interesting thing. I don't know. I listen. I don't want any of their fucking perks. No interest whatsoever. Like <laughs> I want to be day one ish on all the merchandise and all the breaking news and all the the ticket events. Like you don't want to be day one ish. I just read every perk and I said, yuck, who would want that? <laughs> yeah, let you me know? think if I want any of these. First access to new merchandise, no, but you should. VoiceWrestling.com slash WD Shop, of course. Uh, fan voting for certain matches, Slammy Awards, Hall of Fame, no, don't fucking care. First access to breaking news before social media, do not care. Uh, gift reward program that would include t-shirt ticket upgrades. Oh, God, ticket upgrades based on time of length. One has been a subscriber. That's a... Uh, I've been since day one, so I don't know. Do I get ringside for WrestleMania? <laughs> I don't want to be ringside for WrestleMania, though. I need to go out and maybe, maybe Royal Rumble, but... Uh, First access to live ticket events. They already kind of give you that with codes. Uh, sweepstakes entries to get WWE tickets, VIP meet and greets, merchandise. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty much uh, no. Monthly insider business conference call. Ooh, I don't know. You can get that anyway. <laughs> get that. Yeah. But anyway, a monthly. Oh, I guess they're going to do a monthly with Triple H and Stephanie. That'll be a lot of buzzwords. So that's pretty fun. Uh, price breaks for VIP events, meet and greets, and products. Yuck. Uh, free shipping on WWE shop orders. Don't care, except, you know, voiceracing.com slash WWE shop. Good stuff there. All right. Other things asked about included. I know that you are into all these. So uh, the ability to share playlists, clips, and favorites on social media. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Why do we not have this yet? Why the playlist thing have existed from day one. Why can I set up a watch list? But yet, not have it have auto. But you say this is my auto. Yeah, this is Joe Lanza's watch list. People would watch that shit. People watch. I would watch your watch list. You know, think of the creative things. Think of the creative things we could do with the show and everything else. You know, uh, you know, like you know, we could get together. We say, all right, I'm gonna, Rich. I'm gonna. I can't believe you've never seen this guy's stuff. I'm gonna put together a watch list for you and. 
all the listeners. It'll be up by midnight tonight. Boom. You know what I mean? People would love that. And like you said, people you trust, like, you know, someone could put it, 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 the possibilities are endless with the watch list thing. I can't believe they don't even give us the pa- Forget about sharing a watch list. Why are we not able to set up a, pl- I'm sorry, a playlist. Why are we not able to set up a playlist for ourselves? You know, I could see maybe the technology with sharing the playlist, but I can't even do it at, in my own home for myself. It's ridiculous. Yeah, there are third-party sites. Like I forgot the one, but there's one where you can sort of make one, but it's, it's kind of makeshift and you know it refreshes and things crash and it doesn't really I'm work. I'm paying it's like, for the damn thing. Right, just do it. I it's want them easy. to give it to me. All right. It's a no-brainer. The playlist thing is a fucking no-brainer. Yeah, that would have been a day one exactly. thing for me. I mean, you're going to get more people that are going to watch it because their friends are telling them they should watch this or, or, or online – somebody is sharing it or they're embedding it into a, you know, if, if you're doing a profile, like we're doing something on a site, we can embed a playlist. Hey, here's the best, but the fuck this Bobby Heenan thing here. Here are the best clips from Bobby Heenan's, you know, primetime wrestling. Instead, I went to YouTube and watched them all, which right. is, you have it all. Just give it to me. Like, yeah. It's all there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to watch it illegally because you're not giving us the tools. Yeah. to do it. And you have it all. And I could watch it on yours, but I don't feel like going through everything. So yeah, it's, it's just nuts here. Uh, the ability to watch WWE matches using alternative camera choices. Eh, I don't care. Yeah, it doesn't really bother me one way or another. I mean, it'd be ideally if I can just say, don't let Kevin Dunn direct my version of it, that'd be great too. But, you know, whatever. But uh, ability to download content and watch offline, I don't do that that much. I mean, yeah, whatever. It's fine. It sounds like a cool feature, but it's one that I would almost never use. Yeah, I mean, I, I can do that with everything. I can do it with YouTube and, and, and Google Drive, but I never do that. I don't really watch my WWE on the go. You know what I mean? I kind of yeah. watch it under the cloak of darkness where no one knows I'm doing it. So I don't know if I want to watch it like, you know, yeah, 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 I don't do it on the go. You know, I watch it in the middle of the night. So, no, I I wouldn't use it. Yeah, the ability to watch historical events in a setting that makes it like you are sitting ringside using computer-generated special effects. I don't know what the fuck this means, and I uh, I don't know what... Sounds fucking stupid to me. Are you just going to, like, put a guardrail in front of my screen, and then I have to watch, like, through a guardrail or some shit? Like, no, I don't, I don't give a shit. Can they create the Joe Lanza viewing experience where I'm standing against a wall? <laughs> you're in the back of the thing. You're, you're kind of looking through people's heads when they stand up. Yes. and. <laughs> And they give you the pacing effect where they move the camera. Right, yeah, it's constantly kind of moving a little bit. Yeah, I forget you pace like a fucking weirdo. Uh, The ability to create custom playlists and change the look and feel of your network. We talked about that one already. This one, Joe, uh uh-oh. The ability to rate matches from zero to five stars. Can Ah, you imagine rating matches? Why would you rate matches? Just enjoy them for what they are, goddammit. What could go wrong with people rating matches and shows? (laughs) You know? (laughs) If I'm them, please don't do this. As much as I would love to see the world burn, please don't do this. No, I want them to do that. And they had a feature where you could share your ratings with the masses. <laughs> That's what I would like to see. That'd be cool. that should cause no issues whatsoever. So everybody yeah. should should be very, very uh, receptive to every single rating that everybody gives. Uh, ability to choose different sets of commentators for pay per view shows. Okay. I mean, whatever blocks Jerry Lawler and JBL for my my viewing is is, is good. And Booker, I'm gonna add Booker T to that list too. So, but they're gonna have to charge us a lot of fucking money. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of new talent that they need to hire to to add various new commentator. Unless they're just yeah. using people that are already employed and just flying them out there. You know what I mean? And but that know. seems like a waste. I mean, just let your main guys do it. You, you know that that they're never gonna they would never do that. Anymore. They've got 19 commentary teams for these shows anyway. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here's our commentator team from Germany. Here's the commentating team from Chile. Here's the commentator team from Guam. I mean. <laughs> There's a million of them out there. You know? I love the Russian commentary team with the two Asian guys. <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to probably get to mention Everybody always mentions that. Yeah, but you forget that Russia is just fucking gigantic and there are parts that, like, yeah. border, you know, Mongolia and China. Um, and stuff, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. they're just, like, Mongolian dudes, but they look, yeah, it's awesome. They're like, it's our Russian team, and it's, like, Sven Vrogvich, and it's just, like, this dude that looks like... 
What's that Mongolian name again, Rich? What's it's that? like Sven of Rakjik or something. It's, it's something ridiculous. Like I cut out again. Say it, say it again for me. I'm not, I'm not. The ability to view in movie theater mode to watch virtually with friends or participate in a live event on Facebook where you can chat with other fans. Seems good in practice, but it would be filled with just a bunch of people saying a bunch of dumb shit. So. No, well, if you can do it if you can, yeah, if I can have my own little crew and it's like the voices wrestling, you know, watch, you know, meet up and we're watching it together and all that, that would be fun. If it's just like every universe fan in the world, no, all it would, yeah. be, would be like, why? I wish it was CB14. Like, this sucks. It was well, better it, when they it, flicked each other off. Like, it'd be the, uh, it'd be the woo channel, basically. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> you, nobody wants that. No one needs another woo channel. No, no more macro. We don't need 7,000 no, fucking macros popping up every two seconds. Listen. Not that I ever frequent the Wu channel. No, God, I don't even know what you're talking about. From what people tell me, right. that's the kind of stuff that goes on in there. But <laughs> if you could set up private rooms, by the way, pst, you know, we'll say this kind of quietly. We, they they they're like how I'd exactly program the network. Like they do stuff oh. that is pretty much exactly how I would program the WWE network. But. Allegedly, right? It, it, yeah, from what I've read in in articles on the the dark web that people have sent me. So from what these nefarious pirates tell us. Um, the Wu does a very nice job with round-the-clock programming, a, a, a very easy-to-read schedule that lets you know when everything's errant. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, unless you vote on things and skip things if they suck, and you know, yeah, that's... yeah so allegedly, you know, but you know. allegedly, supposedly that's what they got going on. I've never personally been there, but <laughs> if you could set up these rooms privately, and again, a Voices of Wrestling Patreon where we're going to watch Starcade '91 together. Uh, you know, that kind of thing could work out nicely. It's good in theory if they're private rooms. Exactly, yeah. If it's if it's just every, you know, 15,000 universe fans at the same time, that's just going to be But then again, but. private rooms and wrestling fans makes you feel like a creep. I feel like they'd be all watching. <laughs> you know, I feel like they'll be watching Mae Young classic matches and doing very horrible things in these private rooms. Yeah, you know uh, watching I mean? LeBron panties matches and saying, I wish it was TV 14 again. This is when it was good. Yeah, exactly. It's better when Sable could strip Luna and we could all watch it. Like, yeah, okay. Like, yeah. By the way, the CM Punk story was in PG. That was a pretty cool story. Yeah, the Dan O'Brien thing, also in PG. The Shield, also in PG. But, you know, it was so much better when Beaver, Beaver Cleavage was <laughs> a character, you know. When Hawk was killing himself and jumping off Titan Tron. That was the good old days, damn it, Joe. All right. Anyway, WWE No Mercy. Let's let's stick into WWE land before we uh, jump over to New Japan and a few other topics here. So, of course, we have uh, this weekend from the Staples Center in Los Angeles, WWE No Mercy headlined by Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, and Roman Reigns versus John Cena. So this is a note in The Observer uh, this week. It's at a press time. There are about 700 tickets short of a sellout. Uh, and the, universe, the usual configuration for pay-per-view at Staples Center is just over 14,000 seats. Uh, there are both cheap and expensive tickets left, and the secondary market price for entry is only $69. So do you make anything of that? 700 tickets being left a uh, day before? or a few days I got to tell you, normally that's just considered a sellout. You know what I mean? But it's <laughs> like, that's embarrassing if they don't sell every ticket with those two matches on top for a 14,000-seat setup. I think right. that's embarrassing. I think those two matches should sell out a 25,000-seat setup. I, they, yeah, they I, should. They should. And, and I think we should, but they, they, I think no. we should all apologize to Rich because you took a beating on Twitter when you suggested that they were just blowing these two matches on this on this uh, you know B pay-per-view with not enough of a build. And people were saying, oh, well, it's six weeks build. What more do you want? Uh, it's the network era. We don't build it. It doesn't matter anymore. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you the network era. Who needs to fucking build stars or coherent stories or long-term you know, people to get behind? Yeah, it's the network era. You took a beating. Yeah. People yeah. claimed that this was great, that we were getting these two. But from a business perspective, Rich, 
I, I don't know. You're coming out a winner here. It should have sold day one with any of those two matches. Like that, it, those should be <laughs> both of those two should be. This is our match, and we should assume that the second we click our hands or, or we snap our fingers, that whole thing is sold out, no matter what venue it is. If you're telling me, John Cena, Roman Reigns, like that's like a generationally big match. <laughs> nobody can make the argument that six weeks was enough. Then, if they're still 700 tickets short uh, a couple days out from the show. And a fourteen and a fourteen thousand seat arena. Yeah, it's not like they're trying to sell out, you know, the fucking Superdome, or they're not trying to, you know, right. you, you know, get it in Ford Field and get a hundred thousand people, or the, you know, Texas Stadium. It's a fucking Staples Center. Like it's a it's a raw setup. It's it's it, you know. So I mean, Rich was right. It wasn't enough time. It wasn't a proper build. They can't even sell fourteen thousand tickets with these two matches on top. It is embarrassing. You know, uh, and I've uh, me personally. I've loved the Cena Reigns build. You know, I say it all the time. I am a smark. I like shit that's for smarks because I am one. I don't give a shit if the eight-year-old in the arena doesn't get it. Right. You don't care that kayfabe is dead because kayfabe has been dead since you were 10. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter to me if the family at Raw doesn't get the Alex Riley joke because that shit pops me. I'm worried about my entertainment. Okay, so I personally have enjoyed the Cena Reigns build. I think it's been great stuff. I think Roman Reigns gave the best promo of his career last week on Raw. Yeah, that was the best promo oh, far and away, far of Roman Reigns' career because he, he he finally got to do some material that felt real, that felt like it had some truth behind it. It's amazing what that can do for somebody. Okay, and I like this new John Cena who's burying Baron Corbin by fucking working the way he did with him and burying Roman Reigns in these promos. I like that shit. Okay, I'm not worried about the 10-year-old. Joe Lanza digs this shit. So I have enjoyed the build. The Lesnar-Strowman build. How can you not enjoy that build? I mean, you know, Strowman no-selling the German. But the ticket-buying public has not bought into these two matches the way that I thought they would. Like you're saying, this should have been an instant sellout before they did the build. You know, so... I don't know. I I think everyone who buried you on Twitter needs to apologize. I, oh, I'm sure. I, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they'll. I think they're all going to line up single file. They're all <laughs> going to remember, and they're going to apologize because uh, you were right. This is uh, they they didn't they, they they this is what they called in the pre-network days hot shotting matches. That's what this was. Yes, and that's that. There used to be a time when when people would get upset about hot shotting, and 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 people wonder why people get upset about it. Well, oh, who cares or whatever? It's a new era and all this sort of stuff. It's not a new era. I mean, yes, the consumption of wrestling is different, but it's not a new era. You're in the star creating business. Stars make people watch your shit. The reason the WWE Network, and we've said it from day one, and we went through that entire survey, and they're wondering, how can we get more people to watch WWE Network? How can we get more people? How can we get more people? You get more people by having more people watch your stuff. And we said that from day one with the WWE Network. You have a a buying audience that's immediately going to buy that network. And then you're going to have a bunch of audience, the people that just want to watch Raw and SmackDown or just want to watch Raw, just want to watch the free programming, that's never going to buy. What you need to do is just create more people that watch your product and, and, and want to consume your, your product. And the way you do that is stars. It's, it's the oldest thing in the book for processing is stars. And the best way to create stars is to have a long-term story and let it play out and let it, let it build and let it build and let it build and then let it you know, culminate in a big moment that everybody can kind of 
sink their teeth into and everybody can kind of follow and, and, and feel like, cool, I've seen this guy's rise and I've seen the kind of the rise of the star or whatever, and, and here we go. And, and this is two matches and two people in here that could be a big deal, especially the Strowman thing. The Strowman-Lesnar almost makes me more upset than the, the Cena Reigns. The Cena Reigns, whatever. Like, that is a generation great you know match that I would have absolutely saved for, for, for a big-time thing, but whatever. If you wanted to say, uh, we don't know what Cena's going to do, we don't know his history or whatever. But for Strowman to face Lesnar now, I mean, Strowman is your dude. That's a guy that if you build that up for six months, that Strowman's going to get his hands on Brock Lesnar and he's going to beat him. I mean, look at what that – that is going to do well. It's going to make him a star, and he's going to be a long-term star. We, you know, one of the greatest examples that WWF ever had, you know, they kind of got by, by, you know, by accident. It was when Stone Cold got hurt in 1997. Yeah, obviously, at the beginning of the year, by, by, pretty much by Survivor Series 1996, they pretty much decided Stone Cold was going to be a big deal. Bret Hart kind of picked him out or whatever. You have that WrestleMania double turn. He's, he's ascending into a star. Stone Cold is becoming a star, and then he gets hurt. And then you can't do the blow-off until WrestleMania. You have to wait almost a year, a year and a half, to get that big moment. And what did it culminate in? In this giant moment at WrestleMania in front of the biggest audience they'd had in 10 years with Mike Tyson in the ring and an obvious moment where Stone Cold is the man and he's our guy. And then, boom, they were off to the races and they were ready to go. It's a star-making business. Like I, I don't know why this is a, a shock to people. that that It's a star-making business. And there's been one way to make stars for a lot of years, and it's not what WWE has been doing the past you know, five, ten years, but still we're stuck saying, ah, oh, whatever, they know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They suck at creating stars. Well, no one knew people are watching any of their shit. No one knew people are subscribing to the network, and their, their ratings, nobody knew was watching everything. The same people that were watching years ago are still watching, or they're falling off. There's not new people coming in, and I feel like builds, build. why is this having a no mercy? Why is it just a hot shot to get a one network rating where maybe a few more people get the network this month, and then you can go to your conference call and say, oh, the network subscribers were up 2,000 from our, our strong paper. Well, well, here's my no mercy. It's like, oh, cool. Well, you didn't sustain anything. It's just- well, Rich, if they can't sell 14,000 tickets, what makes anyone think that this show is selling a network right. subscribers? I don't know. See, that, that's my question. And we'll, I guess we'll find out uh, you know, at the next quarterly call or whatever how, how that – but that's the argument for this. The argument is the name of the game is selling network subscriptions now, so – which you is know, such a short-sighted. The name of the game is creating stars. The name of the game is getting more people to watch your stuff. Not to yeah, sell I, subscriptions to people that already watch your stuff. They, they know their network exists. If they haven't bought it by now, I don't know that they're going to buy it. You know, I don't think your average fan that, that has lived through the network for three years now is going to say, oh, John Cena, Roman Reigns. Well, now I'm an eye in the network. Well let's, be, well, let's be fair. I praised the build for both of these matches. But it obviously hasn't translated. No, I agree. They've been fine. But how many? It, it, it's happening in No Mercy in October or, or fucking late September. Nobody cares about it. Do you think people the brand focus. name on the pay per view matters? I do. It's it. People know that that's not a big show. That it's just No Mercy, and people say, "Well, they can make No Mercy a big show." Okay, fine, they can. Whatever. But these are two generationally big matches that should happen on your flagship show, whether it be WrestleMania. Uh, or, or SummerSlam, really. I think it should happen in WrestleMania. Both these things should be WrestleMania matches. I agree. I mean, in, in theory, I agree. I'm kind of on both sides of this, but I see what you're saying, and I agree with you. I think that, you know, what do you really need to do to sell John Cena versus Roman Reigns, though? I mean, you don't exactly have to reinvent the promotional wheel. To, you shouldn't have to to sell that match. Um, you know, like you said, that's a WrestleMania main event. I mean, that's a situation where Roman Reigns should be beating John Cena at a WrestleMania as sort of a torch-passing moment or some sort of um, historical moment, uh, and you're right. It's kind of a shame that they're doing it at, at something like a No Mercy. Um, we're five years from now. We'll be trying to remember what the name of the show was when those two guys wrestled each other in a singles match. 
Um, but I can't sit here and praise the builds to both of these matches while then saying they're hot shotting it. I can't speak out of both sides of my mouth. I can't do that. It's not fair. Uh, do you see what I'm saying? So, yeah, no, I get you. But I, 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 I don't know that they're necessarily mutually ex- exclusive. I think you can say that I love the build, but that they're doing a, like there wasn't enough still, time, or right. You can still appreciate what they've done in the six weeks, but understand that six weeks is a pretty shitty time to do these two potentially star-making big-time, huge moments and huge matches that they're just kind of throwing away on on no mercy. You know, they didn't have Hulk Hogan slam Andre the Giant on a fucking episode of Superstars in 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 January and say, oh well. Go watch it in March. We're going to have WrestleMania. That'll be fun, right? It's like, well, okay. I already saw something. Like, because yeah. now they're going to roll around at WrestleMania. And, oh, the, the Roman Empire is going to be. It's like, no, I, we already, you know, seen it. You know, Braun Strowman. This is, I, I, the Braun Strowman one is the one that gets me the most. Because that's a guy that, and I guess maybe that's me projecting what I think he's going to be or what he could possibly be. But him vanquishing a Brock Lesnar, that, I mean, that is a story that I, I would, in any other era, Vince McMahon would be licking his chops to tell this story. And now he's just doing it to pop potentially pop, you know, 2,000 people for W Network number uh, for a conference call. Like, you know, it's like, what are we doing here? People know what the business is. It hasn't changed all that much. It's still a star business. Star-driven, star-making. Yeah. I don't know if you make stars on No Mercy. Maybe you do. I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't know. To me, you make stars at WrestleMania. You make stars at SummerSlam. You make stars at Royal Rumbles. I don't know that you make stars. So then let me ask you a question. Should Strowman beat Lesnar here? No. Because of the event and it's no mercy and all the things you just talked yeah, about. Yeah, but I wouldn't have had their, them have a match before that either. So then what do you, that's stupid. Well, they had the four way. Well, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I just wouldn't have a singles match between the two. Right. Until you're so, ready to have that big culmination, that big moment. Tell you what, I just watched Pete Dunn versus Wolfgang on this NXT episode here that I got playing in the background. Pete Dunn, once again, killer television performance, um, you know, against a guy like Wolfgang. Pound, you know, match for match, pound for pound, he's been the best wrestler in the company this year. I really yeah, believe it's tough to argue. This Wolfgang match was tremendous. And I'll tell you, you know, I know, I know he's a great heel done. He really is. I mean, I, I love everything he's doing, the bruiserweight thing in this company and everything, but I really think he can be a Taz like baby face, a, an ECW Taz like baby face. Um, it, but, it, but because once Vince McMahon dies, once Vince McMahon dies. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't it, think that's happening. As long as Vince is every arena he's in fans get behind him. Though. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's hard not to get behind. I mean, his style kind of lends itself to that. But yeah, unfortunately, uh, Vince McMahon has to die before uh, You're right. we it see could, a baby face. It couldn't happen in the current incarnation. Oh, oh, here comes Red Dragon and Adam Cole. Look at this. <laughs> Please live commentate week old episodes of NXT more. That'd be, Look at that's this. They got him surrounded here. What's going to happen here? Please stop. <laughs> Please stop. This is new to me. All right, it might be two weeks old for you, but I, I haven't seen this. I wasn't expecting this. I haven't seen it either, to be honest. So. Got to be happy for Bobby Fish. I tell you, you're years, spoiling. Years yeah. Not enough being said about that. All right, you want to preview the rest of this No Mercy card? Yeah, I think you should. Oh, here comes okay. Wolfgang. Wolfgang helping him clean house. <laughs> well, I heard that was a great segment. I do need to go back in. This my, is a great segment. My NXT viewing these days is now like when I have a free few hours, I'd watch like six episodes in a row or something like that, which sucks. I should watch it weekly, but we're usually doing this podcast. Or we're doing something. So now I've become the like, I'll watch four weeks at once or a, a takeover is going to happen. So let me watch, you know, 12 weeks of TV. Yeah. Yeah. And I shouldn't because it's, it's still a solid show and it's still good stuff going on. But I, for whatever reason, I'm that type of viewer. So look at this. Wolfgang comes in and saves Dunn, right? <laughs> yeah. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Wolfgang c- comes in and saves Dunn. 
And then they start putting the boots to Wolfgang, and Dunn just hightails it out of there. <laughs> <laughs> he's such he a good heel, too. He's so good. He just hightails it out of there. And then he teases like he's going to go back and save Wolfgang, but he's just going there to grab his title. <laughs> grab his title and then he, then he puts his hands up like, look, man, I don't have any beef with you. You know, like even though you just beat me down, this is Great, fantastic. Man. And now, and now the uh, the ROH crew here, they're killing Wolfgang. Oh, oh, wow! Shining Wizard, right to the, the sky. undisputed era, sir. Yeah, that was a great seg. That was a great pro wrestling segment on a great episode of Studio Wrestling, right there. That's ah, but what it's, that it's was. a new, it's a whole new thing now, Joe. It's about the network, you know. That was some Paul Heyman booking right there. You got a lot of things going on. You- it's not. We always say this. It's not hard. It's a simple game. It's it's always been the same. Wrestling has always been the same. The in-ring changes, but the way to make star, it, it's always been the same, and it still is the same. The delivery is a little different, but people overthink this. I don't know why. People think. Look how, look how smart this was, though. Yeah. Dunn went clean. Mm-hmm. These guys run in and, and, and beat them up. Wolfgang looks like he's a, a brave dude. Yeah, a valiant babyface trying to defend yeah. his, you know, his former foe, but a guy that he feels like he should. Yeah, he's like, this. you know what? This is my UK brethren. I'm going to save them, right. right? And then Dunn gets himself over as an even bigger heel. This by is a Heyman thing where there's like seven uh-huh. pieces yeah, yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, so Where it's Dunn, over and you got to like make a vent, like a diagram where you're yes. like, all right, well, Dreamer helped Raven, even though he usually hates Raven. Right. But then Raven's so, an asshole because he doesn't like Dreamer, but Dreamer has to help Raven. Right. So Dunn gets, fucking asshole. So Dunn, the Dunn gets out of there and, and shows his true colors and lets Wolfgang get the boots put to him. And then he gets his title and gets out of there. And then, the, you know, so the RRH guys are still, but then British Strong Style comes in. Okay, and now they 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 come in the stand, and the and the beauty of it is you're really not sacrificing anything with Wolfgang, right? He's just a mid card wrestler, yeah, right. So he's the perfect guy to do it with. And now you got British Strong Style coming out, and now they're setting up British Strong Style versus presumably Red Dragon. I don't know if it's going to be a six man or something. I don't know the spoilers here. What's the what's next cool episode too, is starting here? Is is we always talk about this too? Gabe, well, Gabe used to be great at this in the Dragon Gate USA eras, and you know, less so in the Evolve eras, which we'll get to here in a sec. But of in what is it, 10 minutes or five minutes that happen? You just set up how many matches? You set up like six yeah. matches right there. <laughs> like you have British Strong Style versus the ROH guys. You got the ROH guys versus Wolfgang under some, you know, red. you can have Pete Dunn versus the ROH guys too because he's kind of, you know, maybe a little upset that they beat him up or whatever. You got Pete Dunn versus Wolfgang. <laughs> like you just right advanced there. all these storylines. You advanced right. the character in less than 10 it's minutes. It's not hard. This is very easy wrestling. It's in five very, minutes, you so advance several different branches of storylines. Just fantastic. Yeah. It's NXT, let me tell you. Even when it's not at its best, it's still the best thing they produce. It really is. It's just simple. It's simple to it's 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 simple to a positive. Like it, it's not hard. It's, you don't have to overthink this thing. It, right, so what else? What else we got on this dopey No Mercy show? All right, No Mercy coming up this Sunday. You got the Miz defending his WWE Intercontinental Championship against Jason Jordan, the guy who... Yeah, I don't like the Jordan shit. I was watching the Raw clips. He attacks the Miz, and my God, if he didn't get like five plight claps. Yeah. No one cares. It's like nobody cares. Anybody. And if, he's, no. and if he's going heel, can we get it over with already? Yeah, can we just have him turn to be an asshole or something? Yeah, it, it, this abandoned ship and act like it never happened. Oh, Rich, Rich, you're getting British Strong Style versus Red Dragon here. Tonight on NXT. <laughs> and by tonight, you mean August 20th? No, this is this week's. I'm caught up. Oh, are you? okay. All right, good. I'm all pumped up. I was I'm hoping it wouldn't be a three-way with Wolfgang because then, you know, Wolfgang's taking the pin, you know? Right, yeah, I know. Yeah, so this is interesting now. Man, I'm into this. I'm all fired up. Who we got Gargano facing here? All right, so what do we got next? <laughs> we got a 
fatal five-way match because god forbid women do anything without their lumping every other woman in there we got a fatal five-way alexa bliss sasha banks bailey nia Jax, emma for the wwe raw women's championship yeah i don't know it's a fatal five-way you know that's not our thing um so i don't have i don't have much to add anybody can win and everybody has one in five odds to win so everyone has 20 percent chance right? <laughs> right. that's how odds work Right. Everybody's equal. But, you know, honestly, in the case of WWE, it pretty much, except for Emma. Emma's got zero. Everybody else has a split evenly. Because would it surprise you if Bailey won? I'd be pretty you surprised know. if Bailey won. Would, would you? Yeah. Am I missing something in the build that is obvious no, here? She came back. She came back and, and after her injury and I don't think they believe down it. Alexa Bliss, but no, I don't. I mean, I guess you're right. From that perspective, yeah. yeah I mean, Sasha Banks just won it and lost it in a week for the first time. No, you're right. I yeah, mean, like, yeah, who fucking cares? Whatever. What about Nia, though? I think Nia's the hot Nia should, yeah, probably. But, you know, that, you know, Vince has this thing, too, where like if everybody thinks it's going to go one way, he just says, ah, Emma. It's like, why? Whatever. Nobody thought it was going to go. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like the old Vince Russo thing. Like, ah, we swerved him because nobody thought it was going to happen. But it's like, yeah, that's not always the best idea, though. Right. <laughs> Sometimes the logical thing is the, the Jimmy's losing was a very logical thing. It was yeah. time for the Jimmies to go, but, you know, it can still be. All right, uh, Cruiserweight Championship, Neville defending his title against Enzo Amore. I haven't seen this week's 205 Live, um, but it, it's kind of – look, Neville's got his work cut out for him, and I think if Enzo wins, that it kind of buries it kind of buries 205 Live because he's presented as an absolute jackass on Raw. Right, um, yeah. So he, he's a big ass. He gets beat up every single second. Goes to the main, the the, the secondary roster, and then wins. Yeah, like, and then wins the title. title. Yeah. yeah, and it, it would make Neville come off like a goof. It can make the whole um, show come off like a bunch of goofs. Yeah, don't don't do this. <laughs> do and, not have Enzo win, please. And Neville, who I think has been the second best uh, pound for pound bell to bell wrestler in the company this year, behind uh, Pete Dunne, uh, really has his work cut out for him here to get any kind of quality match out of Enzo. Although I will say, um, you know, Enzo can sell. Um, that he can do. And, um, you know, if it's just a beatdown match, it could be interesting. So uh, from a, from a bell to bell perspective. So um, I've kind of, I haven't really hated Enzo on 205 live the way I thought I would. I kind of think he does bring something a little different to it, but I can see it getting annoying really fast. Yeah. He can't, if he's just there and just kind of exists, but having him win the title would be a really, really bad idea. If you just want to be I, there, if he just wants to be the guy that talks and, and, and adds a little bit of juice, cause he has added a little juice to that show, but do yeah. not under any circumstances have him win a title. That would be. And I like really how bad. the other baby faces look at him. Like he's a goof. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I kind of like the real locker room where everybody thinks he's an asshole and hates him. Yeah, so. Pretty much. Yeah. It's ribbing yeah. on the square, right? I mean, (laughs) and this company does that a lot. You know, remember when they went through that stretch where in every backstage segment, Sami Zayn was just talking too much. (laughs) It's like, it's, it's like, it's like shedding somebody's ear off and they're just rolling around. And was annoyed. You know, like that's like his, that was his rep. You know, that's his rep. Like he fucking talks too much. So they just, they put it on. You feel like this is the same sort of thing, you know, where they're all just like, they think Enzo's a goof because that's what everyone really thinks. So. Joe, I know you're pumped for this one. Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt, the first ever man-to-man match. <laughs> the Balor first ever. And it hasn't worked. So now he's going to just be a man, and he's going to face Bray Wyatt. Well, no, it did work. He a man. Oh, he did win. Yeah. Well, now he has to be a man. Oh, but he's got to fight him as a man now. But Bray Wyatt's like... Because he fought him as a demon. That's correct. Listen, listen, listen to the psychology here. <laughs> Bray Wyatt's like you really being- said it's very simple. This wrestling thing is very simple. Yeah. Listen to this now. Okay, go. He's like, listen, you're better than me, but you, you you're not better than me without face paint, buddy. 
So I challenge you to a standard match. Like that's what's happening here. Like the blow off is the man to man standard match. Yeah, it's they've gone backwards. They've gone from the stipulation to no stipulation. (laughs) And like, what's the what's Finn's motivation? There's a stipulation. It's man to man, Joe. What's Finn's motivation to face him again? (laughs) I don't know. Like I beat you. I'm done. Like it's anything Bray Wyatt touches is fucking. Dog shit. Like, this is Everything. Prince Devitt. This is Prince Devitt, and if you gave me a choice, I would skip this match and never think about it and never watch it again. The last one was dry as a bone. Yeah. It's, it's, it was terrible. It's Finn Balor, who I, I, I really enjoyed. I love it, but, like, the, the Bray, man. At, the, someone is going to write a book on the, the just this guy's just fucking yeah. blazing trail of shit that he leaves behind him every single Blazing second. trail of shit. Blazing. <laughs> I mean, Randy Orton still has to recover. <laughs> Arguably the two worst feuds of the year he's participated in. Oh, it's, God. It's well, man-to-man. Bray Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt. Who you got in this man-to-man match? Because Bray Wyatt's definitely winning, right? Oh, are they going to extend this thing? <laughs> then what do they do? The like, demon. The demon's got to come again. <laughs> no. You know what they're going to do next? Finn Balor is going to challenge him to an amateur wrestling contest on a mat. Like, with a old, you know, you're, you're, yeah, a little like, catch style. Let's go, let's go, you know, yes. let's get back. Let's roll a little bit. They're going to put on, yeah, they're going to put on the fucking ear, the, 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 fucking, <laughs> the ear protectors. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're going to wear A6 gels and they're going to put on their fucking, you know, their, their, their fucking uh, singlets and they're going to have a fucking, they're, they're going to grapple on Flow Slam. That's what they're going to do. They're going to grapple on Flow Sports on, uh, you know, Flow the, Grappling, uh, Flow Grappling, Flow Grappling. Yeah, the Flow, the flow Grappling. Which you now get with your Flow Slam subscription. So, there which you, go. you do. Yeah. So that's, what they're going to do they're going to they're going to grapple they're just going to go completely backwards and then from there they're going to do like greco-roman wrestling after that like they and did then like link like abraham lincoln like shirts off jeans on like in a dirt field style like when he won yes. you know right exactly when the original and, nwa championship I remember for a while there they were like dating back the nwa championship to abraham lincoln it's like all right guys <laughs> that's right with with the with with his rope belt holding up his trousers <laughs> right and then they're gonna then they're gonna arm wrestle, right? They're gonna just go to arm wrestle. Like gonna- gladiator. Oh, then someone's gonna die in the Coliseum. They're gonna go to the the Roman yeah. Coliseum, and someone will die. And then yeah, then they're gonna thumb wrestle, and uh, then they're gonna play rock paper scissors, right? And then they're you know oh, like- Quack Quack's gonna be upset about that. He's gonna yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and then I don't know where you go from there. I mean, I don't know what kind of competition you can concoct. Uh, you know, past the rock paper scissors will be the blow off, Rich. That'll be it. It'll be an intense best two out of three falls, rock, paper, scissors. So um, get ready for that. But of course, Bray Wyatt will find a way to, to add mystery and intrigue to that as well. Of course. Yeah. Will- if I li- there was this time when like people were trying to date back the NWA title to Abe Lincoln, right? I just read that in a book and thought I was nuts or. Nah, I heard something. I, I don't know if that was like a meme or a joke. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was. A, I was like young when I remember reading that. that. Like yeah. it was, it was. Yeah. It was like the early days of the internet, and I remember there was like a title history website, and they were like, Abraham Lincoln was the first NWA champion. I was like, ooh, wow, that's really cool. And then yeah. over time, I was like, wait, hell about it. It's like, this guy held it for 27 years, and then this guy went, and it's like, oh, okay. Like, and then Paul Hackenschmidt won it, and then, you know, it's, but there you go. All right. Um, what else the hell we got here? All right. Uh, WWE Raw tag team titles. We got Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins versus Cesaro and Sheamus. I'm pumped about this because I think these two teams do really good work. And I, yeah, love, really. the Ambrose, I love the Ambrose Rollins team. That They've they've found the, the magic touch with those dudes. And, well, and, they found something to do with these guys, yeah. you know, and, and, and collectively. And they had a, a nifty little match last time when these two teams faced each other. So, yeah, I can get into this. I've now, I've now officially declared that Rollins is just a tag guy. And, like, that that's his history. Like, that's his future is, is going to be that. I don't works, know if it'll, it works good. It just I don't does. know if it'll be his future. Maybe it should be it his should future. Be, yeah. 
You know what? Why don't we I'm just... getting it back, and I'm going back, and I'm looking at Ring of Honor, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he was great there. And I'm looking at the Shield. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, every time he's in singles, it's kind of just, you know, it's just okay. But then when he's in tags, it's awesome. It's a Yamato should... effect here. I was just going to say, you should go to Dragon Gate and team with Yamato and solve two problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think Seth Rollins would work well in Dragon Gate. Oh, hell yeah, he would. I think he'd be all right. I'm all in on this Yamato thing. I'm going to play some, I'm gonna fire up the Fire Pro when I'm done here. There you go. You should. Well, Yamato, Seth Rollins, that'd be a great team, too. They'd have just like luscious locks. They'd be like, oh, that, that team, too, the heartbreak. I mean, because they're attractive, two pretty attractive dudes. You know what I mean? One has no game whatsoever, Seth Rollins. I, I assume Yamato has game, but. You know, one has no game and a very average sized penis, but otherwise, yeah. But still, the outward appearance looks like, I mean, those two dudes with their like slicked, you know, black oh, hair. Yeah, sure. they're, yeah. yeah, they look like a fucking million bucks coming out, you know. The optics nice. work, I agree. Yeah, nice suit. Maybe, you know, Yamato's always great at wearing a nice suit. But, uh, all right, and then we have uh, John Cena, Roman Reigns, and then the Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman. So, Which we discussed at length, so. Yeah, so those are pretty good. Uh, as far as both matches, what would you do with the finishes? So John Cena, Roman Reigns, how do you finish that match off in a way that would, would work for you? And, and what's your end game with it? Is it Roman Reigns just beats him and then it's over? Or is this a long-term thing that now builds up a little bit more? And well, maybe, maybe maybe Cena beats him here and then Roman ultimately wins the feud by winning the next two or something. You know, uh, culminating in a singles match at Royal Rumble, heading into his match against whoever, Lesnar or Strowman at WrestleMania. What I'm concerned with, what I'm not concerned with, but what I'm uh, um, I'm wondering is, do do they think Braun has surpassed Roman in the pecking order in terms of the next big star of the company? I don't see how you can not think that personally, uh, but we know how stubborn they've been with Roman Reigns. So, um, you know, I guess it all depends what the end point at WrestleMania is for all of these four men. So I, I don't know. You would think that Brock Lesnar would be involved in the main event of WrestleMania in some form or capacity just based on his schedule and what they're paying him and all those sorts of things. So who faces Lesnar at WrestleMania? If Strowman's facing him here, you would think that that's not the direction they're going. Oh, whoa, we got a Sonya Deville promo here. Hold on. Oh, yeah, you need to. So we have two Sonya Deville promo spots. Well, I've, I've, watched like, Club. I've watched like four weeks of this shit just now. <laughs> Joe's bi-weekly, well, because bi-weekly can mean two things. Did you ever know that? Me and Buddy were talking about this the other day, that bi-weekly can mean every two weeks or twice a week, which is the most annoying fucking thing in the world. So this is Joe's bi-weekly Sony Deville segment, sponsored by dollarshaveclub.com slash voice. She just gave a damn good promo there, too. She just gave a damn good promo, too. She should have made it at WrestleMania. That's her, versus, her versus Brock. Reverse Brock. Let's do a little IG at the yeah. rest. I make a lot of people happy. And when I say a lot of people, like 12 people. Yeah, 12 Twitter, people who would um, you know, write a think piece about it would be quite happy. 12 very loud, annoying people on Twitter <laughs> would be very happy about an IG main event. Tom Holzerman would be thrilled with he a uh, with that main event at WrestleMania. So, um, but yeah, this can like, go either way for me. I mean, I guess you could have Reigns just like kind of beat Cena and Cena just kind of goes away in the distance or whatever. But I, I like the, to me, the story is better with Cena beating Reigns. And then for the first time in a long time, there feels like there's a lot of vulnerability with Reigns. And I think that's sort of breaking down a little bit of the wall that you've had with Reigns from the beginning, from God, from the moment they broke up the shield and the moment everybody knew that Reigns was going to be the guy, there was always that aura, whether people can, people can say, Oh, well he took this fall or he lost this match. and He did this, but there was always this cloak of invincibility around him. And that's kind of been broken with this thing. Cause John Cena has been calling him out for, shit that a lot of people think and i think it's good for him and then we saw reigns in a lot of ways this past week like you're saying break out of that shell and it was like oh okay this this is the first time in in years that i said here you go this is how i would present this guy 
he's a, and this is the thing too. We always talk about accentuating what, what people are in real life. I don't think Reigns is really a happy-go-lucky, kiss the baby, shake hands type of guy in real life. He's kind of a dickhead, which is fine. no, he's not, and he's kind of a goober. You know, he's yeah. not. He's not smooth. He's not going to be quick with the crazy. He's not Kevin Owens. You know what I mean? He's not going to be quick with the uh, insults. Uh, you know, he's kind of a goober. He's kind of a kind of a dork. Yeah, you know? he really is. Some of this build, they had him be that dork again because they wanted him to be like the guy that got yeah. the last little jab in there and like, oh, I'm I'm cool and this is my yard. But then this past week, it was just like him just talking and him kind of being an asshole and him saying, well, you know, <laughs> you know, you said all this shit. Now you're exactly what you said. You know. Eh. Yeah, I really felt Sunday. I really felt bad for Michael Cole this week. All the goofy shit that he has to say on a week to week. The thing. big dog in his yard. <laughs> Every week he's got to say, "Here comes the big dog, and he's coming to his yard." And it's like, it sounds so unnatural. Like no one would ever say that, you know. Like you don't hear like, uh, you know, yeah, Al Michaels here. The- yeah, you know, it's <laughs> Tom like, Brady coming to take over his yard here it's, on it's just, Thursday Night Football. Like, so yeah. bad, you know, and reigns with that awful t-shirt he has with like the shadow effect <laughs> it's so bad. he's just such a goober i like voice the rest of com says w shop you should definitely buy that shirt you buy 30 of them by the way right now but i gotta be look i if you're not a child or a woman who wants to bang them i just do not see the appeal in this guy yeah i just don't i just never did and i don't i mean he's such a dork but um but okay but from this perspective here's something interesting john cena we've been talking about rusty john cena for the last few uh shows right with He's in there hippie, with, a, with his hippie hair. It's almost down. It's almost, yeah. it's almost maybe in another few weeks touching his ears. So that yep. hippie needs a haircut. And he hasn't had a good match in a really long time on pay-per-view. He's at, he's in there with a quality opponent in the semi-main event of a pay-per-view. Do you think this is a four-star plus match? <sighs> it do. should be on paper. It should be. It should. It should. We can bet on this actually now. Did you see that? There's a site taking bets on David Meltzer story which Meltzer's talking it's just like you know you really shouldn't like do this because Meltzer could retire that's what I mean like Meltzer could call somebody and be like hey you know yeah so it doesn't have to be Dave I think Dave's smart enough to not make the bet on his own but could probably have somebody you know put you know five thousand I mean over time he doesn't have to do it like right away but little by little he can kind of like make yeah you know make five thousand every single you know pay-per-view and his boy, Vegas insider Mike Tanay, could take care of that's it. That's what I mean. Like Mike Tanay could just, you know, put about a thousand bucks on, you know, because let's face it, four stars. Mike, like Mike Tanay is already betting on this shit. Let's be honest. So oh, God, you might as well yeah. just have Tanay put the bet in, and you know, you're all good. But no, seriously. So you're going over four stars. I think so. Yeah, for sure. Okay, the over under is three and three quarter stars. And you're I would going go over. over. I would go over. Okay. For your rating, for, for yeah, for my rating. Okay. And I'm a hard grader, but yeah, not Dave's. Dave will give it four stars, no doubt. Yeah, I think uh, I think Randy Orton and John Cena could just like walk, stare at each other in the semi-main event of a oh, WWE no question. You know, that's going to get four stars. So. Oh yeah, you got to go over. It's like almost a lock. This Bianca Belair is a star. Let me tell you, she's great too. Yeah, they got they, they found some gems in that. that main she's event. got a great entrance. She's got swagger. Lacey the hair, Evans. the hair is great. Lacey Evans stinks. <laughs> but I mean, come on, she's had like four matches. You know. Yeah, she's- She's not great, but yeah, she, she's one that should have been in the PC for another like two years before she was emerged. But you know, maybe stinks is a strong word. She's I'm really picking on her here, but uh, she's had a rough week too, so we'll, we'll let her slide. 
Did she? What happened to her? Uh, her house got destroyed. She was in oh, Jesus. Why didn't you tell me that before? She, she <laughs> got, you knew that. Yeah. got Irma blowing her house down, and I'm, yeah, talking, about, yeah. I'm talking about her weakness. She was in South Carolina, and I think all of her like dad's photos, her dad died, and all of her photos got ruined and shit. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, my God. I got to be honest, though. She's really not that bad in this match, and I'm not just saying, <laughs> I'm, not just saying I'm not just saying that because she's homeless. She's really right. not that bad in this match here. Uh, and then we'll go to the main event. Belair has all the star power here. No, she's great. She's awesome. And she's what she's like 21 or something like that, right? Like she's Looking super. That around? Yeah, she is. You know, I talked about this with people on Twitter, but um, if she got called up, you know Vince would cut that hair off in, within a week. Mm-hmm. He would do a hair versus hair match on Raw. Belair's 28 years old. Wow. Oh, okay. Well, she's not a million years old, but what what does 28 equate to like for a male in the company, though? Like 37? Exactly. Yeah, twenty eight is, is pretty old for the. Uh... Ooh, she is a uh, engaged or married to uh, Montez Ford, aka the other guy in yeah, she, <laughs> the Street Profits. Yeah, Street Profits. Yeah, we talked <laughs> about that. Oh wait, no, no, no. That is that's Angel Dawkins, right? Is Montez Ford? I don't know which one he is. I no, no. Montez Ford is is, is Angel Dawkins, the guy who's been in the PC for you know. Yeah, Angel Dawkins. Yeah, he's been there forever. Who's the other? I still don't know the other Street Profits. <laughs> They just call him Street Profit Number Two. That's all. We'll just continue going the other guy from the Street yeah. Profit. How about we never find it? We'll just call him Street Profit Number Two. I really don't care to ever know. And this Wikipedia page doesn't even list what his tag team partner. It says, Listen, I, <laughs> "I don't care what Wikipedia or Cage Match says." It's Angelo Dawkins. No, sorry, sorry. Street okay. Profit Number Two. Okay, I don't. I got mixed up here. Angelo Dawkins is Angelo Dawkins. Okay. This guy is Montez Ford. Is the other is former Street Profit Number Two? Is Montez Ford, who is Street Profit number two. So okay, we did inadvertently learn the second uh, Street Profit. Well, I'm going to continue to refer to him as Street Profit number two, similar to Cruel Connection two, Thunderfoot two, and a long lineage, Mister Wrestling two, and a long lineage of Wrestling twos. I don't know why I picked three guys from like the 70s. <laughs> the long lineage that ended in 1976. <laughs> Gene Lejean, I believe, uh, Thunderfoot two. <laughs> Right, uh, I don't know who Cruel Connection Two was. It had probably uh, George South or something. Well, there was the Conquistadors but, uh, too. Did the Conquistadors count, or were they both? Because uh, they're it, both. I'm sorry, sir. That was Conquistador Dos. Right. Okay, pal. So don't come at me with an inappropriate comparison here. That was not Conquistador Two. It was Conquistador Dos, and that was uh, Jose Luis Rivera, if memory serves. But uh, I'm just gonna keep calling him Street Profit Two. Okay. Well, Montez Ford. Uh, I, I'm actually a big fan. He's the, uh, he was raised in a. Chicago, the old south side of Chicago. As it's, there you go. Serious. Right next to the one-man gang. Yeah, Halstead. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. right. Halstead is, it, the Halstead does go through the south, so you're right. It is. I'm all about the Chicago geography. I didn't know that. I just told you. <laughs> it, it runs like, a, it's a very long street. It runs like pretty much the entire city, so. Why are they um, running a promo? Why are they running a promo for the authentic story of ECW, which ran like, I don't know, 10 months ago? I don't, I don't know. Are they doing another one of these? Maybe. No, they're not. It just says watch on demand at any time. Oh, there's like six. Have you ever actually gone to the like ECW? There's like seven like random fucking ECW collection things, and I'm like, what? What are these? Like, yeah. uncaged and uncensored ECW volume ten. And I'm like, I don't fucking cares. All right, Brock Lesnar, uh, Braun Strowman. What do you do here? Do you have Strowman win the title? Lesnar retain? Strowman get it another time? How does it play? And and is Lesnar out the door? So that kind of spoils it for you. I, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting. I think we're spending far too much time trying to make sense of WWE booking. We we, we really are, yeah. Why do we always make this mistake? We get sucked in every time by breaking down this booking that never fucking makes sense. You know what I mean? And they don't even think about it. We think about this harder than they do. 
And it's embarrassing, Rich. I think we should move on. We should. Let's do it. Okay. Um, we got a few different ways to go here. I, I want to talk about this Flow Slam story because I think we can't finish this yeah. show without talking about Flow Slam. And then we'll try to quickly. Do you have anything strong on the gender Nakamura bill that hasn't been said by a thousand other people? I just think it's a lazy, low hanging fruit, stupid joke that didn't land. It was dumb and whatever. I, I People are, are going nuts about it. And maybe rightfully so because this company is not very good at telling nuanced stories. So the idea of like a racist dude doesn't really work. You know, the racist heel getting his comeuppance, they could tell that story if they were good at telling stories, but they're not. So it just felt like it was low hanging shitty fruit, you know, just a shitty joke. It was just a shock to try to get a shock and it didn't work and it sucked. And, and that's kind of all I have about it. I don't know. Where, really... where was the outrage? I mean, he's been doing this for weeks. It's just this week. Everyone decided to be annoyed about it. Yeah. He did it last week. The same thing. You know, he said um, that he always looks the, the same and made fun of his eyes or whatever. And then he did the Rook thing and that, Made people. Yeah. I think that I'm not offended at all by the cheap heat aspect of it. I think that's part of wrestling. I don't really, it doesn't bother me if it's a heel doing it. And the idea is for that heel to be a racist asshole. I think it's okay for a heel to be a racist asshole. And I get the idea of gender is this guy who claims everyone's racist towards him. And the irony is he's the racist asshole. And I get that that's the essence of his heel character. Which right will, now. Make, will make the Indian faithful just, adore the WWE and pay for this network right Thank away you. when yeah <laughs> that's the direction I'm going with it I don't care about racist heels I don't have a problem with that I don't that stuff doesn't bother me I because I don't see pro wrestling as any different than television dramas or anything else where there's disgusting racist and violent heels I mean that's just that's entertainment it doesn't bother me it's make believe it's entertainment it's fine for whatever reason people think these things aren't okay in wrestling and I don't get it. It's just the guy is doing a character. What's the, you know what I mean? Just get lost in the suspension of disbelief and root for the good guy. Like you would, if you were watching, you know, your favorite, whatever your ER. choices. ER. Yeah. <laughs> ER where if, if I don't know why you're picking a show from 1994, but if ER, about I've been watching ER with the nurse. Cause we're, you know, I mean, you can't even say Grey's Anatomy. You can't no, no, yeah. up a little, you know? Well, because the there's actually episodes where, like, uh, the one dude, uh, Eric LaSalle, yeah. I forgot what his name is, and I'm blanking yeah. on his name in the show, where there's times where he tries to be the surgeon, and there's people who are like, well, I don't want him to be the surgeon. And he's like, all right. <laughs> like, yeah. And, I'm and very no accomplished, one, you know? <laughs> like, all right, fine. Like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And when stuff like that happens, no one's like, oh, we got to get these racists off TV. This is so offensive. How dare these writers? It's just a, it's a, it's a fucking storyline. Yeah, and in the end, he saved his know. life and proved that, hey, the black dude was a pretty great surgeon, and you're an asshole, you fucking dickwad so there you go the, the problem is no one's confident that this company is going to complete the no. story in that manner <laughs> right but but anyway i want to get away from that it doesn't bother me that that heels are racist it doesn't bother me at all what bothers me is and what's silly to me is that if if the, if the whole thing is they want to use jinder mahal to appeal to the 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 untapped indian market like we said from the very fucking beginning isn't it better to make him a noble baby face who rallies against the racism of his people rather than to make him a hypocritical heel who complains about xenophobia and racism and but is actually a racist himself. I don't know about you, Rich. I think option A would be Yeah, I think option A works option a little bit better, but... So I just think it's stupid. Yeah. I'm not offended by it. I just think it's all very stupid. And I also think it's just this company, once again, having no idea how to treat Japanese wrestlers they don't know and that's the issue too is, is is they just their their history of treating Asian Japanese wrestlers is, is always this it's horrid it's been it's the same since 1983 it was the same when Tenru was there 
It was the same when, you know, Aja Kong was in there and it's, it's been the same forever when Taka, they just, that, that's, you know, Mr. Yamaguchi saw, I mean, that, that's Tijiri, just, uh, yeah. never going to change. Just, hey, Mr. Is, Fuji, who, you know, who was presented as a Japanese character, but it's like, and, but the other thing is, yeah, half the Japanese guys are Hawaiian too. Which, <laughs> right. And it, there's this other thing where Hawaiian and Samoans, yeah. every time they have a Muslim, Arab, Indian, uh, brown character, they're always bitter heels who complain about racism. You know, that's another pattern that they have. It goes to show what Vince McMahon thinks of those people. He thinks that his audience is going to see them as sort of always see them as heels and always see them as people who complain unjustly about racism, right? Doesn't that speak to Vince McMahon a bit too? Oh yeah, of course. That your Muhammad Hassans and your Jinder Mahals and your, and your, um, your, your, uh, uh, the two, the the one brother that's there and the one that's gone. Why can't I think of their names right now? Um, the guy, he's on 205 Live. I make fun of him all the time. He blocked us on Twitter. Oh, Davari. 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 Aria yeah. Davari, yeah. Aria Davari is sort of in that vein where he's this rich, spoiled Arab guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just um, like the, the dumb, like what, the fucking Silk Road? Like what, what does Vince McMahon think the Arabs are? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, he thinks Sean, it's like, <laughs> oh, he's got all these jewels. He's a rich Arab. It's like, what are you yeah. doing? Sean Sean Davari was Muhammad Hassan's manager and Great Khali's manager, and was always and he was speaking in in uh in what, what is he Iranian? I I don't want to get it wrong, but uh, I'm not actually I'm not positive with Sean Davari. People are gonna get mad at me, but whatever language it was, he would speak that way on purpose for cheap heat. It's like Vince views these people as as people who complain unjustly about how they're treated, and, and that's how they're always presented. So that's the other side of this too. I don't think this gender thing was just racist towards the Japanese. I think it's racist towards the Indians because yeah. it's always how Vince perceived. But again, I'm okay with all of that because I accept that wrestling is going to be low brow. Sometimes I accept that heels are going to be fucking dastardly. Sometimes I just think it's fucking stupid. If you're trying yeah, to, it was, it was, it was dumb shock and it didn't work and it was, it, it came across horrible and, and nobody liked it. So yeah, not good, but <laughs> you know, that's it's it's never going to change, and that's kind of how they are. And it, it's it sucks. Like, yeah, I obviously I love. We just had a whole segment where we talked about the high art of pro wrestling and how amazing it can be when it's done well. Well, WWE doesn't do it well that often, so this is what you get. Like, I, I know that everybody wants it to be high art and wants it to be great, but Vince McMahon's kind of an asshole and an idiot. So sometimes it's not when he wants to tell a story and when he can tell a story, he can tell it very well. But when he doesn't, when he doesn't care, and when it involves an Asian or a brown person, this is what you get. Sorry, like. I don't know what to tell people anymore. Like it's not going to. And and here's the thing: there's nothing wrong with lowbrow entertainment either. Not everything doesn't have to be. You know what? You know what I'm saying? Right. Maybe wrestling. Maybe wrestling is just lowbrow entertainment. And but wrestling is so vast. If you want to find complex, high art wrestling, you can find it. Stop looking for it here. That's you're looking looking in the wrong place. Because. All right. Let's get to this float slam. A little bit of this evolve weekend too. I'm going to the show on Saturday, so we'll maybe talk about it really quick. But we got we got, we're up against the clock, and we got a lot of stuff to get to still a little bit. But uh, this big story that bro, uh, how much time broke, we got? Uh, yeah, no, I was a little late on the stopwatch. I think we got about uh, 15, 20 minutes left. Maybe maybe a half hour. I think we got a half hour. I can I can creatively edit to make it a half hour. So no creative editing. Let's just get what we get in. Okay, let's do it. All right, uh, full send. This news came out just before we recorded, and thank God it, we did not record it the day before because our whole Evolve weekend preview thing would have been pretty silly without it. But Flow Slam is suing WWN, and this is a report from our good friend David Bixenspan at Fightful.com. Of course, you're a good friend, Joe. I mean, no, you and him are, are 
go way back. But uh, last Friday, oh, September. Oh, we patched up our differences. No, I know. I'm joking. I'm joking. We had a lovely phone conversation and settled all that. So, and he was uh, on Twitter saying he's excited to listen to the show and stuff. So I think we are. We are, we are on our good. There, my friend. You know, we go, we hey, go in waves. We go in ebbs and flows with 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 Bix and us. But uh, we're on Bix, a good. The Bix is going to piss me off again at some point. I am going to piss off the Bix. It's again like the Gabe. It's like us and Gabe. Gabe loves us. He hates us. And it's like it's very it's very passionate. <laughs> you know, like Gabe fucking loves us for a few weeks, hates us. Fix the same way too. He's he's all in, or he thinks we're the worst. It's correct. I like it that way though. Uh, last Friday, September fifteenth, Flow Sports, the parent company of wrestling subscription service, Flow Slam. This is from Fightful.com. I'm not gonna read the entire article; just kind of do the, the big parts here. But definitely check it out on Fightful.com because Vix did a good job here. Uh, Flow Slam sued WWN, the parent company of the World Wrestling Network family of promotions. Uh, and the complaint flow is alleging that last year when they made a deal with WN to become the exclusive streaming home of all their in-house promotions, they were not provided with accurate data about internet pay-per-view buys and video on-demand purchases. According to the complaint, Flow Sports is asking for in excess of $1 million in damages. So here, one more thing real quick. Uh, then again, I'll, I'll recommend that you go check out the article on Fightful.com. Uh, Flow Sports is suing on grounds of breach of contract and negligent misrepresentation. WN's lawyer, who uh, owner Sal, uh, I forgot how to pronounce his last name, is referring to Reuters too, has not yet responded to request uh, for comments. So WN's not and- saying much. Flow is saying that they were given bad data and they made a, a big purchase. We thought, we've talked about the numbers a lot. They made a big purchase based off the data they were given by WN. They've come to find out that that data in their mind is not accurate, and now we're suing kind of to either get out of the contract, get money back, whatever it is. Whatever, we don't know the end game quite yet, but... Three that's, years, that's five million. Now. Yeah. Three years, five million. Um, the, uh, Flo is saying that they don't necessarily want to end the relationship. They just want to fi- you know, be compensated for this false information that they felt they were given in terms of how many iPay-per-view buys the WWN products were doing. Um, the WWN claims that they've destroyed the files accidentally or lost them. So they tried to patch together some new files, some new data, and uh, those were littered with, um, you know, uh, Customers that were listed two, three, four times, plus DVD purchases, things of that nature. And by the way, Sal, we'll get it uh, whenever time you want to send us our uh, our affiliate dollars. That'll be nice too. But we never received a single dollar from the mm, WWN no. affiliate program, and we tested it, made purchases ourselves to test the system. And their claim was that no one ever purchased through our yeah, affiliate well, link, even though they we actually have a record of many people purchasing from our affiliate link. But right. when I emailed saying, "Hey, how are you going to pay me?" because you've never gotten my payment info. I got the same thing uh, anybody that's uh, reaching out to sell about this got. So. Zero dollars. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the crux of it. Um, by the looks of the complaint and by the way things have been presented, it looks like WWN, there's a good, it looks like there's a good chance that they did fudge some numbers here. Um, but here's the thing. I'm not so sure. Now, look, I don't, I'm not a lawyer. And I certainly am not an expert in this branch of law, but um you know, if 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 Flo cannot prove what they were given, the information that they were given initially by WWN, and I, I suspect that they can't because if they if 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 they ask for this information and WWN claims they don't have it anymore because it was destroyed, doesn't Flo still have whatever was provided to them by WWN? Well, you would hope, um, but <laughs> so that that's that's the hole here for me. Um, you know, I think Flo, Flo, the Flo Slam branch of Flo Sports was just run by incompetent people who rushed in. And, you know, fools rush in, right, Rich? I think yep. they rushed in, and they overpaid. Everyone thought it was an overpay. 
I mean, when, when, when the numbers started, you know, going around the three years, 5 million, everyone thought they were nuts. Um, so they overvalued the WWM product and fuck man, to me, that's on them. Yeah. Oh, I'm the same way. I don't feel bad. I, and that's been my thought this entire time when I've been watching, you know, watching the relationship and really the deterioration of the relationship, seeing this come out, seeing stuff. I have never once felt bad for flow slide because I'm a man of, you know, yes, maybe this, this company screwed you. Maybe this company fudged the numbers a little bit, but you are the people signing the money. You are the people giving company X, whoever it may be, you're giving them this contract. You are giving them money to produce stuff. You have to do your due diligence too. Like yeah. if, if, if I understand that maybe if they fudge the numbers a little bit, but you have to kind of look at it and go, Hmm, these numbers, I don't know. These don't seem accurate. Cause I'm sure if they were so wildly inconsistent with what you, I, I think most of us kind of are smart enough to know what WN did for, for, for pay-per-views. In I mean, the park? In the yeah. Ballpark. Like there, there were, we could see the live attendance and there was ways where you could see the show links and have an idea of, you know, how many people were subscribing and that sort of stuff. And there was ways to do it. There was ways around it or whatever. I think most of us and every single person, everyone in the world said, Oh my God, three years, 5 million. That's ridiculous. I mean, it was so much so that the fucking WWE told Gabe, oh, dude, no, like, yes, that, like, that's nuts. Yeah, I'm not paying you that. Go, you know, whenever this goes away, come back. But Jesus Christ, man, go take that. Like, right. And by the way, WWN wants out, by the way. Right. Uh, you you know, but, but yeah, you're right. Everyone knew it was an overpay. And, and if everybody in the world knew it was an overpay and and you didn't, then that's on you. That's a problem. And there, and, and the other thing is, like, like you're saying, if, Voices of Wrestling wanted to stream wrestling, and we were negotiating with WWN, and they told us that they were doing five thousand i pay per view buys for their Revolve shows. We would have laughed them out of the room. Right, we'd have known they're full of shit. Right, but the people at Flow, I don't think, were smart enough, savvy enough, or ingrained in pro wrestling enough to understand that that was a complete bullshit. And I'm just throwing that number out there. I'm not, but you get the point here. Right. We'd have a number in mind. Uh, we, you know, and if they said anything above that number, I mean, honestly, if they if they told me anything over a thousand, I would think they were full of shit. I think some of those evolved shows are doing in the hundreds. Um, you know, so it's like, um, so they just weren't people who were savvy to the wrestling business and they got fucking played rich. That's what happened there. Now, if WWN legitimately fed them falsified numbers and they can prove that WWN's in some deep shit. Um, and it sounds as though the way that the complaint reads and the the way the quotes read, uh, with, uh, flow claiming that they paid hundreds of thousands of dollars in other words, it wasn't a lump sum because we know that it was a $5 million deal. So they have stated that they have paid WWN hundreds of thousands of dollars and they want a million dollars in damages. So, and they want to continue the relationship. So they're not trying to like bankrupt Sal and Gabe here and put them out of business. It sounds like they want to be compensated for the false information and then move on and move forward from there. I don't know how you can continue a relationship. No, that's, that's when, when you say, Hey, we paid you, we overpaid you now pay us back. Which leads me to my next point. Yeah. <laughs> that just sounds like bullshit from the flow side as part of sort of either uh, a, a, um, a legal tactic. In other words, yeah, you know I mean? I, they didn't want to come to the courtroom and say, yeah, fuck these guys. We don't want anything to do with them ever right. again. We want, no, it's just amicable. We just want to, you know, make, yeah, let's make it right. Out. We just want to work it out and make it right. Like, you know, yeah, that's, right. that's no, they feel fucking cheated and they want a million dollars back. So, you know, I, I don't think, and you know, I don't think this relationship is going to end up continuing. Um, and, and it, it is probably going to break. Yeah. Um, but it'll and, be and, interesting and, to see if they can prove that they were. And that's that's it. Up. If they have no way of verifying it, 
than Flow Slam is. I mean, you could, you could, I could, Joe, I could say, Joe, you were lying to me. Joe, you can just on this podcast and I say, I, you're, I'm assuming you're lying to me, but if you have no way to prove it, then what, what are you doing? The problem that, is the, the point people are gone. Right. Botter, Jeremy Botter got fired. Toby got fired. I forget his last name. Toby got fired. Flow Slam exec. That ill-conceived uh, Twitter handle that you know Toby was. Oh God! <laughs> he he got fired. The, the the point people got fired. So I you know that adds another in, some more intrigue to it too, you know. And it was interesting because yesterday Botter quit Twitter, and then he deleted everything. Yeah, which he is said, weird. Look, he, was, he was doing a few different things. He was writing for Bleach Report, doing some other things. I think launching his own little website. But yeah, he's artwork. Uh, the artwork gimmick. He is. Uh, he, he has disappeared. <laughs> Well, no, he no, he he quit Twitter, and put in his bio, "This account is dormant. Contact me at this email or whatever." He announced that the account was going dormant. People asked him what's wrong, and he said, "I assure you, I'm healthy. There's no problems. I just I'm not interested in Twitter anymore." Next day, everything deleted, bio back to normal. What the fuck is going on there? I just thought the timing was curious. It might have nothing to do with anything, but the day before that, this news breaks. And he was going to hit the road and just disappear. I don't know, Rich. That sounds a little fishy to me. You know what I mean? It's, it's and and we were kind of tipped off that this was coming. So certainly, someone who was involved heavily would have been tipped off. Um, so I don't know. I, I that's being ignored by a lot of people. But I, I think the timing is just too. And I don't know what the connection is. And I'm not trying to be cryptic about anything. But I just thought that was a little odd. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, it's it'll be an interesting thing to see how it goes on. I mean, at the end of the day. It, it's going to be kind of word versus word. And if, if you can't prove that WWE screwed you, then, I mean, it's, it, part of it's on you. And that's, that's why I've never felt bad. I mean, yeah, if WWE was screwing the numbers and they can obviously prove it, then, yeah, they, they deserve to, you know, get, get sued and they deserve to have issues. But at the end of the day, I, I, I'm still always of the mindset because from the moment we heard that deal and the moment it got signed, we said those numbers are nuts and you are nuts for signing that. So at the end of the day, you, know, you have to do your due diligence too. You have to do your research and you have to assure that you're signing a contract with a company that, you know, I can I – can you know pay some random fucking dude on the side of the street that says he has good investment advice uh 10 million dollars and then sue him later because he doesn't have good investment advice but at the end of the day i should have known that the guy in the street wasn't you know what he said he was and you should have known that dorian wasn't putting five thousand in every single pay-per-view i mean that's insane that you were thinking is that the number i threw that now to be no that's from fightful they they uh yeah my random number was the actual number Said so one flow source who was Joshua Gavin familiar with the numbers told Fightful that during negotiations, WWN told Flow that they were averaging about 5,000 buys per evolved pay per view. That is fucking mental. I, if, if, Joe, Joe, if you sold me 250, I would go, ah, you should, two, for evolve? Non WrestleMania weekend? Like, I, there's no. I wouldn't go above 300. And 300 would be like, that's a lot of people. If you told me, if you told me Evolve 51 on WWN Live got 300 people, I would say, I don't know. I think a thousand is where I'd start to get very fucking suspicious. For 5,000. I mean, the Evolve things were not, I mean, people are forgetting this. This is the DGUSA, Evolve was not a big deal for a long time. Well, we saw a DGUSA number and it was 900 once. Right. Now, that was many years ago. So it's kind of like that's kind of where I put my bars, like right around that. Five thousand is so completely absurd. I mean, I'm not even sure. <laughs> five times your five times your highest possible yeah, number. Where I'm being generous, right? I, I, you know, that's just completely off the fucking reservation. I mean, you're talking about the TNA pay per views aren't doing five thousand buys. No, these days. I mean, what's Ring of Honor doing? What ten or twenty thousand or something? Yeah, somewhere there. They have a pay per view this weekend, by the way, but. Which we're, we're not going to get to. <laughs> There's no chance. You know what else we're doing this week? We're blowing off New Japan. We are? I think what we could do with the New Japan 
is when we review the uh, Kobe show, Kenny Omega and Juice Robinson, we'll roll those two reviews together. Yeah, we can do a whole like destruction recap. I mean, yeah. Hiroshima didn't have too much really to talk about. Anyway. I'll tell you what it did have. How much time we have? Uh, yeah, we got a few minutes. It had the worst Hiroshi Tanahashi main event ever. Okay, I'm with That's you. I'm, I'm 100% with you, too. And the worst, one of the worst Zack Sabre Jr. matches I've ever seen, too. Yeah. So. I mean, okay. well, I've seen, some, I've seen some Zack Sabre Jr. Fucking, I saw him have a match with Brian Cage at Wrestle Circus that was fucking worse than that. But oh uh, well, that's I mean he's just fucking around Wrestle Circus. That's, that's... Eh, maybe, but yeah, big. This was the we talk about Hiroshi Tanahashi being the best big match wrestler ever. We can't remember the last time he had a bad minute. This was the worst. And look, I'm not holding it against him, but you know, everyone they tried something ambitious. They tried to have Tanahashi grapple with Zack Sabre Jr. and it was just. Boring. It was fucking boring. Yeah, thirty minutes of real boring Billy Robinson esque, you know, grapple fuck, and then you have to to top it off the little fucking cherry on the shit Sunday. That Suzuki gun just comes in and beats him up for you know five minutes too. It's fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah. But we'll get into more depth on that. But we want to let everybody know we didn't like a fucking match. And this show wasn't much better than the Hiroshima show. Wasn't much better than the what was the first one? Uh, Kobe, or not Kobe? uh, Fukushima. 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 It wasn't much better. And the Fukushima show was the we talked about last week. One of the worst major shows they've had in years. This show. Come on, Kobe. You can do it, guys. There's not much you need to do. Just Kobe is not a good. It's not a good lineup. I know Kobe doesn't look very good at all. The Omega Juice Robinson match has no support, and it's a ninth. It's whatever eight thousand whatever seat building. I mean, what a test for Omega. And I'm sure we'll talk about it next week if he manages to sell it out. You know? So, gun to your head. Do they sell it out? No. Okay. I don't think so. There's just not enough else on the card. I don't know. There's nothing else on the card. And it's not a strong opponent. Yeah, I like Juice, but I don't think he does enough. So Very bold booking. We'll get into way more detail next week, though. We don't have time this week. All right, we got a few minutes left. We got about five minutes. What do you got? I guess we can fucking run through that ROH lineup, right? I guess so. All right. So let's just real quick. We got just, young... just, just to say that we hit on every fucking right. topic. You're right. You're right. You're right. We got to do it for complete. That's the last purposes. topic left, right? Uh, well, then you got the Noah show that we. Oh, fuck. That's this week. But it's here's the thing. October 1st. No, we can, we can do it next week. We got next week. We can. We can do it. Next... Okay. All right. We'll put it off again. But while I'm talking about that fucking.